season premiere of Rank and Review, the 10th season of Rank and Review. Oh my goodness. Mr. Jason Dubray, he of the Shelf Shedding Movie Show, is here to discuss with me films on the subject of alien abduction. Uh, it's a very paranoid sort of genre, a very obviously conspiracy theory kind of genre, a very fun genre but a genre that I'm going to argue you do not need to be a believer in to be an enjoyer of. As usual, you should go into the podcast expecting there to be spoilers for the six movies being reviewed and ranked, and expect some coarse language, usually from me, but sometimes from my guest. If you have feedback, you can send that to rankandreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com the website is rankandreview.ca and do check out Jason Dubray's podcast The Shelf Shedding Movie Show because there's that annoying two week gap I have between episodes and you need something to plug into your ears Jason is a good option now let's talk about little green men, little grey men big black eyes, little grey fingers alien abduction. Mr. Jason Dubray is joining me, he of the Shelf Shedding Movie Show. Thank you ever so much for coming back to Rank and Review. Um, we're going to talk about alien abduction, which is a strangely specific kind of genre, but I do think there's enough in it that you could call it its own sort of sub-sub-genre. So I want two questions for you to, to start mm -hmm. off. A, what do you feel about the subgenre of movies, just generally, because we're going to talk about six specifically, and B, I mean, since we're here... What do you think about Little Green Man? Do you think aliens come to Earth and kidnap people? I mean, in recent uh, months, we've had news on major station CNN where the government has admitted that they have a whole wing of the government that is studying, <laughs> uh, what are they calling them? Unidentified aerial phenomenon? Mm -hmm. AIPs or something like this? Mm -hmm. um, so it's not all just experiments up in the sky. There is stuff up there that they're trying to figure out what's that. But... Yeah, well, that's 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 where I'm starting. <laughs> I'll start with the second question first. Okay. <laughs> Sounds like a game show or something. All right. 
For five hundred dollars. For five hundred dollars. Okay, I hope I get the right answer here. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot we don't know about the universe, and I I do feel like it is very possible that we've had visitations from um, uh, beings. I don't know where they're from or anything connected to that. Whether that leads us to believe that the six movies that we're reviewing have any kind of realism connected to them, um, especially one which is very much uh, pushing the idea that's based on the true story. Right. Um, but I think it is it's possible... It's also possible that it's lights or some other phenomenon, but uh, I, I do agree that it's it's been a long time coming that the government, the U.S. government, acknowledged it. Yes, because that's it's not a surprise. I I, I wish I could say maybe twenty thirty years ago I would have been surprised to hear that, but now I'm like, yeah, the unidentified aerial phenomena to me is still quite a long ways from, from little, green, little men green men coming down yeah. and, and experimenting. And I guess I don't know if it's little green men or little gray men right. as presented in in movies for for generations. But uh, I I feel for me to dismiss it and say, oh no, it's it's impossible. As there's so many things we don't know about, and we keep uncovering more and more things that would be, yeah, yeah. There's, Probably when I was little, I was like, nah, no, there's no aliens. It's, it's they aren't real. Like they're like monsters. But, uh, but now I think it's, it's possible. Um, the other question, your first question was about uh, how I feel about this subgenre. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, uh, it works for me. Sometimes we've talked about the um, areas of horror, and not all of these are necessarily horror that we're talking about in this episode. But um, sci-fi horror works for me. Where horror comedy, for example, doesn't work right. as well. This, in some situations, almost like the possession thing. And I know that doesn't work as much for you as it does for me. But this idea of you lose time and you're taken away and uh, your body has been um, invaded uh, without your permission... Um, like a demon possession type of a thing that, that some of that stuff really freaks me out. Yeah. So it, yeah, there, there's a, a real spectrum of good, bad and ugly in this genre, but I, on the whole, I like it. Yeah. I wanted to draw that line in the introduction myself that I will say clearly, I am not a believer in this sort of alien abduction type of things, but I don't need to believe in this stuff in order to get into the genre because I totally dig this subgenre as well. <laughs> it, it flicks a switch in me. I remember as a young kid, I was like grade 9 or 10, I read the first Whitley Stryber communion book. I didn't believe a word of it, but uh, even at that <laughs> like age. But in the first couple of chapters, he talks about this paranoia that was overtaking him, where before he could go to bed every night, he'd have to search the house, like every cupboard, every closet, like... He just didn't feel secure, no matter how much security uh, mm -hmm. stuff that he set up, no matter what. He was always paranoid and searching his own home. And that idea really, for some reason, put a hook in my brain. Mm -hmm. I just thought that was really interesting. But I've always thought that the specificity of everyone's account are all very human fears. They're all expressions of very human fears, of losing one's identity, of being 
physically violated or raped. Of mm-hmm. like, they're all very human things, and the creatures they meet all have two eyes, two arms, two legs, all roughly the same size as us. It it really sounds like someone trying to filter some trauma through an yes. image that has been fed to them through pop culture, especially you and I, who grew up in the age of mm-hmm. X-Files. Yes. Like, uh, this was a ubiquitous thing in, in pop culture and on television. So, no, I don't... <laughs> and yet, I, I, I hate to just look at someone who is, you know, believes that they've been terribly traumatized by an alien from outer space. And it's a different question, by the way, as do I think there's aliens? I actually 1,000% believe that out there somewhere, Mm -hmm. there are aliens. But I think that's a different conversation than, are they coming here and taking us? Yeah. Like, even just from the tech as we understand, our exploration of space is not us. We send our robots out into space and it's doing so. I would be more likely to believe that we would find something like that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or about the operations that these aliens conduct. They're very brutal like they're like old school civil war battle operations like Mm -hmm. they don't have technology like uh, our technology on earth has improved to the point where a lot of things that used to be operations are now injections or that they used to open you wide up they just put Mm -hmm. a little (laughs) tiny little sliver in you so it seems like the alien technology is almost behind ours in some of these it was ahead before but now it's behind that's right I that's my take on and a little, the, many of the stories we're, we're going to be talking about is that idea of, of trauma. And in some cases, I think trauma, if it's not treated properly, could lead to potential psychosis. Right. And that may be what we're hearing from from some folks, but this is very widespread. But also to be able to face your trauma that's that's a very tough thing of course a terrifying thing so if you can say it was aliens then you have some way of making that trauma make sense in your mind maybe not in the way that the world looks at things and but um it's a way to be able to go on living your life i was a victim of an alien abduction as opposed to a victim of any number of other things yeah it makes the genre work on several levels. A, the paranoia, as I was talking about, being scared of your own home mm-hmm. and being scared to go to bed. That's a bad place to be. Yeah. And um, lost time and everything like that. Um, and it just works with the horror genre. Like, I find myself, as much as I don't believe it, I get creeped out by these movies quite easily. Half of these movies are claiming that they're based on true events, Okay. I don't believe that, but I don't need to believe that to get into the movies. Mm -hmm. In fact, I think there might be a couple of cases where, because I'm so into this subject, that I'm maybe more forgiving than I should be of a couple Mm -hmm. of these, but we'll see. Um, Yeah, is there anything else you wanted to say by way of introduction? I know it's a big subject. It it is. Um, I enjoyed uh, visiting these movies, and some of them were first-time watches. Some of them are... First time watches, and they shouldn't have been first time watches. Really? Okay. But that gives kind of a fresh perspective, I guess, on this. Um, I don't like all of these. And so I, I feel like even on my show recently, I've been <laughs> <laughs> negative uh, or maybe becoming a little bit harsher on things or weighing it against kind of like what what's the intention here. Um, 
it'll be interesting to see where we are in agreement and where we disagree because it seems like we always disagree on a couple of them. <laughs> yeah. I, I I don't think I'm going to be the ranking review champion after the show, uh, but it's um, I'm, you know I'm guessing again who's to say I'm guessing we're going to have the same top and bottom. I'm guessing, but uh, I I would think so. <laughs> I, I I would be surprised if, but yeah, it it was is interesting. And the thing that's interesting about not to jump to the end, but the top of my list. I wish I was more excited about the top of my list. Right. Okay. Or at least one movie in the top of my list. But I'll, I'll just to put it that way. Yeah. Well, speaking of the list, here are the six alien abduction movies that we're going to talk about. Close Encounters of the Third Kind, the director's cut from Mr. Steven Spielberg. Communion, the 80s Christopher Walken movie, which actually made it to my top 30 creepiest movies of the 80s, so that might tip my hand a little mm. bit. Um, Fire in the Sky. Um... That was that came out just a few months before X Files premiered yes. on television. Interestingly enough, um, another purported to be based on true events and a weirdly star-studded in retrospect yes. <laughs> movie. Uh, I like the, bumping into those. Mm-hmm. A embarrassingly low budget and kind of forgotten movie called Night Skies, which talks about the Phoenix Lights in Arizona, which to my mind is one of the most convincing UFO cases ever recorded. Mm-hmm. Over five thousand witnesses over one evening. Yeah. Like I don't know about the incident that we end up talking no, about. No, I don't. But, not this. But, but the actual and the references to the a actual lot of event, people yeah. saw some weird lights in the sky. Like a lot of people <laughs> saw some weird yeah. lights. Yeah. In the sky. Uh, then we have the the fourth kind with Mila Jovovich, uh, which is Jokovic, I think Jokovic. Was, yeah, she introduced herself. I finally, after all these years, I'm a fan of hers. Yeah. And I've been mispronouncing her name. There's one episode of my show where I think I, I used like three or four different pronunciations, yeah. and not one of them was right. Let's but, call her Mila. <laughs> Mila. <laughs> what was her name in uh, the, the Fifth Element? Oh, I can't remember. Um, and we'll finish it off with Dark Skies, which was uh, from uh, the Bloomhouse Horror Wing mm-hmm. thing, and it was a movie that came and went. And I thought maybe unnecessarily dismissed, but but again, to be continued, we can have that conversation. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. This is the motion picture that astounded us that challenged us, that dazzled us. The motion picture that reminded us, we are not alone. This is the road that took us to the outer limits of a brilliant filmmaker's imagination. The road over 100 million people have taken and will want to take again. The road millions of others will take for the first time. But now the road will take us all even farther. So, early stage Steven Spielberg is like sort of a conversation in of itself, but there's a run of films with one major blip, but uh, like Duel, Jaws, Close Encounters, then there was that 1941 mm-hmm. war movie, which mm-hmm. was not good. It might be one of the worst things Steven Spielberg put his name to. But he made up for that with Raiders of the Lost, like, E.T. and The Color Purples. Like, he had just a ridiculous run of mm-hmm. movies. Um, 
And, I mean, I have obviously passionate feelings about Jaws. It's one of my favorite movies. It's one of the movies I've seen the most. And maybe controversially, I'm less hyped about E.T. But of this age of Spielberg, I think the most Spielberg movie he made is Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Like, this is so his wheelhouse. So, like... Later in his career, he did a scary sci-fi movie, War of the Worlds, which was just mm-hmm. so disappointing mm-hmm. <laughs> by contrast. Like, like what I wanted that movie to be and what it was were two, <laughs> two very separate things. But I've always had an affection for Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I, I say that it's not my favorite science fiction movie of all time. It's not like top tier, uh, even Spielberg. But what he taps into here better than in almost any of other his other movies is awe. <laughs> this sort of awe and wonder and holy shit, we are witnessing something amazing. And he sustains that feeling very well through the entire runtime, even in the director's cut. And on top of that, I think, despite all the awe and all the awe shucks and all of the wonder, this is a closet horror movie. <laughs> Maybe not even a, a closet. Like so, some scenes are, yeah, straight up horrific. Yeah, I kept thinking though, if I was watching this in a movie theater, some of those might hit a little bit harder. Right. Than watching it at home. But even if you were to describe the story, right? There's a Family Guy, uh, Roy Neary, played by Richard Dreyfuss, who after encountering a spaceship doing his job out in the middle of nowhere. His life is completely changed. He's psychologically poisoned by it and driven to seek out this landing place where he ends up being taken by these aliens from Earth, from his family, from everything, and we never see him again. That's a horror story, really, like in Mm -hmm. a lot of ways. Maybe the aliens are friendly to him and he's like being taken to a place full of awe and mystery and wonder and he's having a great time, but he's still not the person he was at the beginning of the movie. And Mm -hmm. he still abandons his family. Mm -hmm. And Spielberg himself has said, if there was a thing he would change about this movie, it would be that. When he made it, he didn't have a family, so he just saw the opportunity to explore the universe was like a (laughs) no-brainer. Now he's like, that guy turned his back on his family. Or the aliens did something to him that made him capable of turning his back on his family. If it's a possession movie, then... It's forgivable. Right. But if it's not, it's like this guy is in a midlife crisis. Yeah. And he's got a busy household. And I think somehow, even though Spielberg wasn't a family man at the time, uh, that was, those are some of those, his best, he's, he wrote it. Yep. He doesn't always write his, his movies. He wrote and directed. Um, it's not like Paul Thomas Anderson who writes and directs all of his stuff. Those are some of the best written scenes. The family stuff, that dynamic, felt very authentic up until a point. Um, but if he just kind of, well, I haven't had anything exciting happen in my life and this is what I want to do. And he becomes obsessed with it, as he does, and he goes after it, then I could sort of see why Spielberg <clears throat> might have some regrets about that. Yeah. But it's the story he told and it's the story of this guy. Now, if his regrets are about that, you know, he saw himself as the Richard Dreyfus character, and that he's kind of ashamed of that. Ashamed now. that he's 
promoting that idea, but that's this character who made this choice. So I think and maybe sometimes, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know how you feel about the Fablemans. I'm a big fan of that movie. I, like I feel it. like I've been de- defending that one for a few months because there seemed to be a bit of a backlash against it. Um, that was the movie where I felt he kind of made himself the most vulnerable. He's always used alien abductions or 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 different things to kind of as a mask from what like uh, his real life here. Um, but I'm I'm not sure. I could see how some things are about him, and because of the Fablemans, I know know a little bit more about his his upbringing, mm-hmm. where you could start to see some parallels, why he would say it at award shows. Yeah, uh, Close Encounters is in the Fablemans. E.T. is in the Fablemans, like all of all of these things. I, I got that a little bit more because it's been a few years since I watched this. And the first time I watched it, I, I've, I've probably watched it only maybe three times. It's not like an annual thing that I watched this movie. I, I think I saw it when I was pretty young. I don't know why I have a memory like it was at a drive-in or something, but I, I, I don't know... But I, whether that's a false memory or not, but I'm sure I saw it when when I was single digit age category, uh, because I know I was a huge fan of ET. Um, I haven't watched ET for a long time. I'm curious how I mm-hmm. react to it now if it's as as big in in my mind and in my nostalgia as it is uh, in reality. In reality, <laughs> but um, and then yeah, then I, I I bought the disc years ago and then I watched it then. And then all these years have passed, so I know a lot more about Spielberg than I did when I first saw this, and um, I was a little bit more like curious because I know Richard Dreyfuss was a little bit of his his muse for a few years for a couple films there, and um, and I think I just watched like I thought, oh, Spielberg handles alien movies really well, unlike some other filmmakers. Um, this time watching it, I don't know why it didn't work as well. It's don't send angry hate mail to me. I I think it might have been, you know, the day of like I keep believing in this the time of day or the day I, I watch it and whatever's going on. Um But I I found myself writing a lot more negative things than I expected. I thought it would be just uh, just a love fest. Well, I can Put the phone down. I don't have to type as many notes for this one. Let's but just take the ride. But yeah. When you think about it, I think this is a director's film, not a writer's film. Because if you describe, and you did a good job of describing the plot very concisely, because that's all there really is to it. Yeah. He encounters the alien, becomes obsessed, leaves his family, tracks it down, and then has this, this opportunity. And then we have the subplot with uh, Melinda... Dylan and her missing child. And her missing child, which actually, this time around, I found that way more interesting than That's the horror aspect. That's where the horror, the abduction scene, I I would challenge any other abduction scene in any film up against that one. Why, though, it turned into the sentimental Spielberg thing in the climax, it got completely flipped around. And that's where it doesn't become a horror movie well, anymore, I, but it's interesting because most of our conversations been pretty well, not academic, but fanboyish over Spielberg. Yes, less about the film, and I think both the strength and weakness of the film for me is 
that it's about moments instead of the whole piece. Yeah, I guess so. The sequence where Richard Dreyfus encounters the spaceship and his car gets lifted and he gets flipped and all of that. Like, That's a great scene. Amazingly well done. Great the scene. The scene where the little boy sees the light outside the window and walks towards it and opens the door is an amazing sequence. Yeah. Like the sequence where the scientists are trying to communicate using music to the spaceships mm-hmm. is by itself an amazing scene. Where they find the ship in the middle of the desert. Like all of these scenes by themselves could almost be the subject of their own movie. Like they're great. But um, the, the through line I think is kind of in the end unsatisfying because maybe we don't <laughs> we don't want Richard Dreyfus to go away or we we don't we don't see I guess especially when I saw it as a kid that being the end point mm-hmm. he we wanted him to be vindicated wanted people to know that he wasn't crazy because that's a, a theme of all of these movies gaslighting almost like a, <laughs> I would have a really hard time believing if you my very good friend told mm-hmm. me that you were abducted by aliens I wouldn't laugh at you I wouldn't make fun of you but I would have a real mm-hmm. hard time same thing if you told me you saw an angel or mm-hmm. if you like it like yeah I would I would have to wrestle with it somewhat right mm-hmm. like it's it's very real in that so for me the satisfying conclusion was it's proof he wasn't crazy mm-hmm. that would have been enough of a win and he could have hugged his kids and everybody oh it's true he's not mad like <laughs> that would have been enough how would you have felt though if I had gone out right now into your street gathered up all the garbage in the neighborhood <laughs> started stealing stuff off of, from gardens and constructed this mountain right here in this room. And that's where I talk about the transformation of that character because yeah. that is not realistic or logical or That's or like, the weakest part of the movie. Yeah. And I don't think I I noted it the previous times I watched it. But those isolated moments I'm talking about it for me are so good that yes. it's more than makes They usurp up. everything. I, yeah. I absolutely do yeah. believe that. And I, I don't think it's a bad movie at all. Like, it doesn't sink the ship in any way. But that is something. And as a result, the B story about this little kid and his mother is way more compelling to mm-hmm. me after a point. Yeah. Because I don't understand why Dreyfus is making these choices other than he's been driven mad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Melinda Dillon losing her mind and, and desperate to find her child. That makes that sense. That is absolutely <clears throat> believable and credible. And uh, in the documentary, Steven Spielberg talks about this, and it's a thing that I've actually criticized in his movies before, but at least now more understand what he's going for. His belief is, quote, kids trust the light. Mm-hmm. Adults are terrified, right? <laughs> what the fuck yeah. is going on? But kid's only been around for a few years. He doesn't know what's good and what's normal or what makes sense or what doesn't. Yeah. So when I used to rage against Elliot walking towards the mysterious light mm-hmm. and smoke in the backyard yeah. finding E.T., like I was that, as a kid, I didn't find that credible. And same thing with this little boy walking towards the alien light in his mm-hmm. backyard. But I really felt like Spielberg has sold me on this idea <laughs> that yeah. like kids trust the light to their great danger possibly mm-hmm. but kids trust the light and yeah that is the kind of stuff that I locked into I love Bob Balaban mm-hmm. I oh, thought it yeah. was interesting Good to see Francois Truffaut yeah. acting yes. it's a strange decision and Spielberg yes. has cast actors in his movies mm-hmm. before as we were talking about David Lynch because we always 
Gotta plug David Spoil- Lynch. Spoilers for... Uh, <laughs> Was that a spoiler? For, I'm sorry. Well, I think that's a big surprise in in one of his recent films, but, yeah. you know... To begin. We aren't saying which one, but... Um, yeah, I, I, I think the direction is the star. Melinda Dillon is kind of a MVP of the actors, I think. Sure. You know, and... Richard Dreyfuss, I think, got a lot of the attention because he was the biggest movie star in this. And he's he good. He, he's good. There's yeah. some points where I might argue that it goes a bit over the top, but I also know that there was not Spielberg consuming himself, but there was a lot of cocaine on that set. Oh, really? There was, <laughs> and well, the producers, the the Phillips, right. who uh, produced Taxi Driver the year before, um, their marriage broke up sometime around the end of this production and uh, yeah i think she, uh julia phillips i think it's her name or no maybe not Ju- julie anyway uh she and dreyfus were doing a lot of coke during oh. this shoot so that well, he's maybe comes across <laughs> to the inner energy but he's always been kind of a big energy type of uh yeah. um uh an actor i think he he feels better in roles where he can be bigger um, as opposed to a more nuanced performance from um, Melinda Dillon. But the other thing I, I really need to congratulate Spielberg. Not that he needs my congratulations, by the way. <laughs> he's going he's gonna to go places. He's going to be all right, I think. You know. He's going to go but places. <laughs> his, his direction of uh, the kids, yeah, and in usual. particular that, that little boy, it felt like a little boy. It didn't yeah. feel scripted. This is exactly how this little kid would, you know, doesn't really know how to speak that much and wanders out and is so happy and and then at the end i i didn't see any of the cutesy um child acting that i sometimes see in films yeah so i i thought that and um you know the cinematography is outstanding and i also john williams score oh, yeah. where would this movie be without john williams music and where would Spielberg be, honestly? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, not that the movies aren't great, but he really... It's not just a side dish. It's like a real extra coat of paint mm-hmm. over everything that brings it up another notch. Like, yeah, definitely I'm glad you shouted that out. Since we did watch the director's cut, um, Spielberg said when it was originally released, he didn't feel like it was quite finished. And he was allowed to do a director's cut on the condition that he showed more of the inside of the spaceship. And the great debate of people between, you know, the three different versions of the film is, Mm -hmm. should we go inside the spaceship? Is that showing us too much? I mean, we saw the little alien greys, either case. Like, we Mm -hmm. did actually get to see some aliens. Did you notice the baby ones look like (laughs) E.T.? Well... Maybe it's just for a shot, and maybe it was... My imagination. He wasn't but, around yet, so. But know. I think this might have been a, a lead into. There's a lot of lead ins to uh, Indiana Jones. Right. Like it's Raiders of the Lost Ark and what he does with the mountaintop and the lights and the, you know, um, and even the opening felt felt uh, similar. But yeah, I, I, I thought I saw something which I don't know if it was after the fact, digitally altered or what we're just a little et yeah um, just trying to i must have well i wasn't looking for it and again I, when next time i watch the movie i'm going to be looking to see if uh, dreyfus is coked out but my <laughs> my question is like spielberg says what happens on the ship whatever's on the ship and wherever that ship goes that is simply the providence of the audience 
and he didn't want to go inside the ship. That yeah. was like a thing. So that's why there's three cuts. There's mm-hmm. like the theatrical cut, there's a director's cut, and then there's the special edition. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you land on that? Do you think I haven't we... watched the special edition, so okay. I, I can't talk about that one. I don't really want to go in the ship. Yeah. I don't think that's what the movie's about. No, it isn't. And uh, once the the longer you take with that extended ending, like there's some cool visuals and stuff like that, but it's all it's all extended resolution. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I think I side with Spielberg that we don't need to go on board. We I don't. think we saw enough. We might even have saw more than we we should. Some of those yes. aliens looked a little bit goofy to me, but. <laughs> <laughs> like E.T. <laughs> yeah. Or I mean, they look not. like kids in costumes. Well, there's the one that's kind of like the the thin... <clears throat> the long arms. Yeah. And the, decidedly the, yum. not human. And they yep. probably consciously made that choice to make a very not human looking aliens. But mm-hmm. a lot of them looked... Again, but the little baby alien yeah. things. Yeah. They look like us. Yeah. I do like this movie a lot. I feel like we've been focusing a lot on the negatives. I, I think it's because we admire it. I think, yeah. and, and we know what it could be. I mean, if you haven't seen it, like it really holds your attention. It, mm-hmm. It's two hours and it flies right by. And even if you agree with us about the the weaknesses of some of the characters or like how, how things play out, you are not wasting your time. It, it's more than two hours. I think two hours, um, and fifteen minutes or yeah. something like that. You know, it's. But it's it, it's it's a worthy sci-fi entry. It is. Uh, like, it is absolutely. You know. And this is where the sci-fi. This is the foreshadowing of the '80s, and you know, Star Wars came out the same year. I mean, that really changed. Yeah. Um, where where Hollywood would go for a while. Yeah. And it's not Star Wars, right? It's not no, fantasy no. in space. No, this it is, is not science fiction. No, and it's kind of a nice. Nice to have those both in the same year, that it's a completely different type of film. So thumbs up. (laughs) Yeah, yes. Is that good? It wasn't a dream. There's a group that meets. Group? People who've seen the same sort of things you have. Which group of aliens abducted you? Bob, we are not victims. We are participants. I don't recall them being human. I've got to go my baby screaming! You people, you sit there, you're in for one big surprise. So, uh, Whitley Stryber is a fairly prolific writer of fiction, which makes me greatly skeptical (laughs) of his whole communion franchise. I think there's five books in the series. I could be wrong. I have not read all of them. I am not going to read all of them. Um, It's interesting, though, because like anybody selling this sort of kind of... (laughs) Snake oil is a little bit unkind, but like you're, you're presenting it as if it's true. And uh, he's constantly like, we're right around the corner. Any day now, we're going to see the truth and the alien agenda will be exposed. He's been saying that since 1987. <laughs> Any day now. It's the same principle that Alex Jones, I think, runs on. Like, you know, like, just keep them watching today. They just got to get them through today. Fox Mulder, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Any second, we're going to hit the alien conspiracy. Mm-hmm. It's going to become obvious. Um, so... 
I can't approach this movie taking it seriously, and uh, uh, even a little bit. But it's got two things working for it that is going to make me like it more than it deserves. The first thing is I saw it as a child. Oh, yeah. And I found it terrifying. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it profoundly disturbed me the first time I saw it. I didn't know who Whitley Stryber was. I didn't know anything about it. But it was like, it was just an alien movie. And sometimes when a movie gets into your psyche at a young age and makes an impression, it's hard to let go of it. Like, it just is. And the second thing is Christopher Walken. I love me some Christopher Walken. I've always loved me, me some too. Christopher Walken. Even at his weirdest and Walkenest. I just, like, I... I <laughs> I love me Christopher Walken. Those two things get me through the movie because I will confess, watching Communion today, it is dying of eighties. Like you can tell, it was made in the heart of the eighties because it just reeks out of every single fiber of the movie's being. And a lot of the times, I can look past that and it doesn't really bother me. But for some reason, it's really obtrusive. Somewhere between the air clapped and guitar riffs. Which and, I liked. And the big 80s hair. It's just they used it so much. The yeah. repetitive nature of it. Uh, the smoke-filled rooms. The big 80s <laughs> hair. Like, there's something absurd about the presentation a lot of the time. And I'm not going to make excuses for that or apologize for that. I don't like him being hard on child actors, but I don't think the little kid oh, in this movie terrible. is I'm good sorry. at all. Uh, like, I believe the parents. I'm not a fan of Lindsay Krauss, but I actually thought she did some pretty decent naturalistic acting in this movie. She was more animated than some of her work. Yeah, a lot of times I think she's like a robot. Like, someone needs to... She should be saying, Oil can! Oil can! <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> And Frances Steenhagen, of course, uh, Hagen shows up, and I'm a big fan of her. And she's really good at selling credibility and incredible plots. We talked about that exact thing when we reviewed the De Palma movie. Raising King, yeah. Yeah. Um, What I recommend the movie for are the abduction sequences, are the nightmare sequences. The stuff in between, I will confess, is hard to take. But the first couple times, the first night, couple nights at the cabin where they're having the issues with mm-hmm. the electronic lights outside, and the first time he sees that half alien face peeking from the uh, behind the door frame, um, has never not been frightening to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I am again sort of sympathetic to. There's a sequence in the middle of the movie where Whitley and his wife go to an encounter group of all of these people who are telling yes. their encounter stories, and, and Steenhagen is, is uh, running the group. And hearing their stories, they're sympathetic, because they have similar stories that are crazy. But hearing those stories sends them fleeing from the room. <laughs> Even though they know on, in their minds it's true, mm-hmm. they have a hard time hearing other mm-hmm. people talking mm-hmm. about it. And... <laughs> It's interesting to say honesty in a movie that's pure fiction, but I thought that was a fairly, quote, honest reaction. The movie doesn't offer any answers. It's basically an advertisement for Whitley Stryber's book. He wrote the screenplay. It's completely biased to his perspective. But do I think that aliens came down to, like, New York? (laughs) New York State? And, uh, and, And had continually been fucking with him and his family for the past 40 years? No, I don't. And I don't think this movie makes a good case. But Christopher Walken is awesome, and I still find some of those abduction sequences quite frightening. Am I crazy? I don't think you're 
I don't think you're a crazy person. <laughs> okay. That doesn't mean I like this movie. Um, right. Here's the thing. It was built up. This was a first time viewing. This is one of the ones I said I should have seen when you before, were in the 80s. Yeah. And I remember it would play at midnight right. on CTV, but I would fall asleep before it barely got going. And I feel like, yeah, if I had watched it in that single age, <laughs> then this would be, like, legendary for me, right? But watching it at, you know, 43 years old, I, I just, and I wasn't sure what was going on and not in a good way. Like, I, I almost feel like they were given free reign to improvise, a lot of scenes and some scenes between uh, Lindsay Krauss and Christopher Walken felt like I was watching acting class exercises. Right. Like they were workshopping scenes. Their their fights as a couple were just didn't make sense. It felt like they were trying to build up to the energy of having the actual fight. Right. But it it didn't work. And you know, I like Christopher Walken too. But I I this point, I have no idea what he's doing. I, I really, you know, and I, I will get behind some random Christopher Walken performances, but I have no idea what he's, it felt like he was riffing almost. He doesn't seem to be talking to anybody. You know, he's talking, like he has a scene with his son, and you're right. Uh, I, I Once upon a time, I had Tim Hildebrand on my show, and I was... I had made a similar comment to the one you make that you can't be too hard on child actors. He said, why not? They're getting paid just like the adult actors are to deliver. So why why do we have to be kinder to them? Because I, they're kids. Because they're kids and they don't have the life experience that the adult actors do. The Razzies but nominated that little girl for that was the horrible. starter. That I was that was fucking awful. And I'm, I'm glad that they Received backed it. away and that they're changing their policy. Like, I don't know what... Yeah. What, what they were thinking in that sense. Yeah. Um, and I don't think these children should be nominated for Razzies, but... We can acknowledge a strong performance or a weak yeah, performance. Yeah, and, and I, I mean, I just talked about a really good young child, younger than this child performance. Yeah. I do think it's up to the director to garner that performance. Now, film schedules and... and and the timing and everything, sometimes that's not as possible. Uh, you can't be spending the entire day getting to that place. But, um, yeah, the, the kid isn't great, but he kind of needed help from Walken. And it feels like Walken's in a vacuum acting. <laughs> this was a, this was something I got criticized for in uh, in university, acting in a vacuum. Right. That I'm, he's doing something, and it doesn't matter if anybody else is in the room. And I don't know if this is a like I know this is about the the writer of the book, and he's Walken's playing him, and I don't know if this is what this guy's like or not, or if Walken was just told by the direct director, uh, Philippe Mora, to just do whatever he wants, and that's what he was doing. So it's weird for me to be critical of a Christopher Walken performance. He he has the moments, the beats where he looks. Like kind of affected and creepy, and yeah, that works, and it works well in the abduction scenes, which I agree are the best, or or the visitation it. scenes, which are the best part of the film. But I'm not. Sh I love. Do, do, do you like Walken. the scenes in the like the what what whatever it looks like a store 
a warehouse or something, but it's supposed to be the the ship or at the end with the top hat. And well, the... yeah, and then he's <laughs> acting with himself, and I think his wife is his assistant, and I don't. But it but, gets absurd. I mean, yeah. But like again, it's all his weird. I haven't thing. read the book, so but, I don't know. Is it like that in the book? Well, he's trying. It's sort of like trying to remember a dream in the book. So, like mm-hmm. pieces of it seem to have logical narrative, and then all of a sudden, I'm somewhere else, mm-hmm. and like it's different. Um, and I think the problem is, as much as I do love Christopher Walken, and he does make me smile and even laugh, mm-hmm. whether or not he should in this movie, is that what we really needed is an everyman, and yes. Christopher Walken. Is just not an everyman. I love the dude. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but like, uh, he brings that Christopher Walken energy, <laughs> and like, he's different. He does. He's already. It's sort of like people complain about Jack Nicholson in The Shining. Like in that movie, he seems like crazy Jack Nicholson from mm-hmm. Frame One. Mm-hmm. So it seems like he has less of a journey to go on. Yes, certainly less of a journey that he was given in the mm-hmm. novel. And I think that maybe a less eccentric performance would have been helpful to the movie. I think that Philip Morrow's thought was, if we can get Christopher Walken, we'll, then do what he wants. we'll get Christopher Walken, yeah. and who's going to tell Christopher Walken how to do his thing, right? Like, um, it Michael was also, Cimino, maybe. Who yeah. made, you know. It was also in an independent production. This was made outside the Hollywood system. I think mm-hmm. Whitley Stryber was wrote the script. He adapted his own book, but he was particular about it. So I don't know how he came upon Philip Moore, but they got Christopher Walken interested, and then he was doing a play with Lindsay Krauss, and then like it was about people who knew people. That's probably yeah. why they got the very subpar child actor that they did. But I understand making that mistake, but I do think it might have been a mistake because uh, it would be more terrifying, and I think we would. Uh, well, we would be we wouldn't be shaken out of it by the eccentricity. We would just be more scared for mm-hmm. him. But then we have the trade off, like when he has the face to face with the aliens. Maybe the set isn't particularly uh, convincing. It's mm-hmm. a low budget movie. But when Christopher Walken is having a conversation with another Christopher Walken, which is an alien in disguise, and it's like, that's not what you look like. You're not going to show me what you look like. You're smart. <laughs> and no other actor would deliver that line that way. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, for me, it was kind of interesting. Stryber himself, in the series of books, has gone to the point where now he's not even sure that they're aliens. Now that science has confirmed that other dimensions can exist, perhaps these are interdimensional. So it's mm-hmm. he's constantly moving the line. Yeah, uh, I so. Um, but I, I go back to my initial experience of the movie, yeah. which is maybe not the fairest way to rate it, but I cannot undo the psychological damage no. that this movie did to me when I was eight. I mean, <laughs> in fairness, I'm, there's a movie we're going to be talking about later, which I'm going to be probably doing the same thing where this viewing wasn't as effective as my first viewing. Right. Um, so so that's fair enough. But yeah, that just that scene felt like it was like a bad scene in a Stephen King adaptation. Right. You know, something that or and from the T one of the TV adaptations, which I know we've talked about before. Or like yeah, I can't even say it's Lynchian because it would be handled a lot, or it'd be more interesting if it was Lynchian, even if we didn't have a clue what was going on. It would be more abstract, but it yes. would be more hypnotizing. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm happy seeing Christopher Walken with a, a pencil thin mustache talking <laughs> about random choice. stuff. But what a weird choice! Yes, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, not... I really wish I liked this movie more than yeah. I did, and it was 
I think it was the anticipation. Oh, this is a this is a capital H horror movie I'm about to see, and it was not. It, right. And it was a. There's also a scene set at Halloween where <laughs> Christopher Walken just <laughs> loses his mind. <laughs> I just put myself in the position of that little kid. <laughs> He attacks a kid. This this kid's in a Halloween costume and it triggers the memory of the aliens and he unleashes on this little kid. And I mean, I don't know if it's an appropriate acting choice, but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't take it out of the movie. Well and you might enjoy it for the yeah. wrong reasons, is I guess what they're saying, but I think it's enough of a curio that I can still recommend it. Like it's 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 a hard sit mm-hmm. at times. There is some bad eightiesness, and like I say, I have never been a Lindsay Krauss fan, and mm-hmm. I think she actually does kind of okay by Lindsay Krauss. Standards. Yeah, it's a better than average Lindy, Lindsay Krauss performance, <sighs> which isn't really saying much, I guess. <laughs> unfortunately, I hate to be I can I'm allowed to be harder on her, I guess. Um, <laughs> but oh man, I, I I I would say people should watch it and judge for themselves, okay. and. But my thumbs down, sadly. Yeah. And this is one of the one where I thought we're not going to go six for six. Right. Yeah. Right. It's got some sentimental attachment, and yeah. that does go a long way for me. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Good enough? Yep. How does it think? What makes it move? Why does it breathe? Questions anyone would ask about a man if they'd never seen one before. So for five days, a man was borrowed. The story that Travis Walton and five other witnesses told was so unbelievable, so unimaginable, that it has become the most famous case of UFO abduction ever reported. Sky is reported to be based on the true events of a bunch of log workers, and uh, it's based on it's supposedly small based town. on a true story. Small town, and it's uh, interesting in the this specific case. There's a lot of circumstantial and physical evidence to go with the story, and the fact that this group of guys were under serious investigation for murder before this guy showed up five days later. That much of the movie is at least true. Uh-huh. A lot of the specifics are not true. Like, they did take a lot of liberties with it. And apparently the dude's story, once he gets on the ship, it gets so unbelievable that they didn't even try to adapt it. Like, in his story, he actually takes controls of the vehicle and flies it for a while. Like, it's... It, it, it hurts the credibility of the movie. And I think that the focus of the, the director and the writer was whether or not they believed it, they're going to present it as honestly as they can. They're uh-huh. going to present... We have the, the skeptical character that James Garner plays, which I think is a very believable anchor, which sometimes these movies need. Uh-huh. And we have the point of view of all the different characters. And it's interesting, because I always remember thinking it was D.B. Sweeney as the star of the movie, but it's interesting how much of the movie yeah. he's not present for. Yes. Um, but 
the last 20 minutes of the movie is purporting to be his experience. And it is famously one of the most terrifying sequences in sci-fi horror. And it remains so today. I don't think many people will argue that. The debate is the first two-thirds of the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I find it really interesting because it's a straight-faced look at how the community would react, I assume. Like, uh, and I, I find it mostly credible. And I did like that the skeptical position was taken seriously and not necessarily fully vilified. There was a reason to suspect these guys, and even more in real life, as they would sometimes, after they did their job, hang out and do beer with drops of acid in it in the middle of the forest. So, yeah, you might see all sorts of crazy shit, that being the case, right? (laughs) And uh, there was some tension within the group. There was reason to think that something might have gone like... So I appreciated it. I understand somebody coming in wanting to see aliens, getting impatient with the movie, but I promise you... (laughs) When you get there... (laughs) The movie is going to deliver. And in the meantime, can we talk about Robert Patrick in this movie? Because he is fucking awesome. They finally... I mean... Why no other filmmaker has chosen to use Robert Patrick fully? This is the I I, I might argue this is the best he's ever been. Most famously Terminator Two. He's famous but, for that. Yeah. But that's not a a three dimensional role. I mean, he is very good in the movie. There's a couple things where I think the writing of the screenplay fails him right. a bit, but he he does he's his good. best. Yeah. And like the whole cast, we were talking about at the introduction, we have Henry Thomas, speaking of yes, E.T., yeah. uh, Craig Schaefer, we talked about him in, in Nightbreed, playing yep. his more typical asshole role. This is the role that he usually gets cast in, and this is the role that he's comfortable in. Yeah. I believe Craig Schaefer as an asshole. <laughs> but I think it's more than it's that. Motivated. I mean, yeah. It's motivated. Like, he has a reason, he's yeah. got a, a, a rough and, background. And I think he has a couple other notes which aren't just one thing. I, yeah. Yeah. The, to me, one of the sad things is he kind of disappears from the third act of the film. But, yeah, but but it, it feels more real because people will run away from situations. He wasn't like buddies this. with these guys, so and, why would he be yeah. hanging around for and the next part? They work really hard <laughs> at making the movie credible, and I think that actually makes the terror mm-hmm. so much more terrifying yes. at the end. I think that it's a pretty brave and smart choice that they did that, and. The movie didn't make a ton of money, but it has a cult following, mm-hmm. and like people seek out uh, copies of it to this day. I I paid almost thirty bucks for my wow. DVD copy of Fire in the Sky because it's out of print. I, I have a digital copy. I think I forget if it's Shout Factory or Scream Factory is going to be if they haven't already released it in the next. I don't That's think it what happens when I yeah. overpay for one. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yes, that, yes, uh, I've had that same experience too. So, um, and who was uh, I also wanted to mention Peter Burke, right? Yeah, uh, very different role for him compared to what he more of a unique thing. Yeah, yeah, and uh, he would very shortly after this movie switch the trajectory of his career, and now he mainly works behind the camera mm-hmm. and uh, making movies like Hancock or whatever. But it's kind of an interesting, weirdly star-studded cast. And again, like I said, my memory of the movie is that it's starring D.B. Sweeney, but mm-hmm. like, well, since he's the guy who's missing for five days, he's missing for the bulk. We get a chunk yeah. at the beginning mm-hmm. and then like a large chunk of the movie without mm-hmm. him. I do think he's good in the movie when we get him back. Yes. 
And uh, that definitely brings the narrative stakes up a next level because <clears throat> now the discussion is why did these from went from why did these guys kill him to what the hell did happen to him? Yes, he shows up stark naked at a gas station mm. in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. yeah. So um, I think that a lot of things that people call weaknesses of the film, like it's got a slow first half and that they spend too much time getting to the uh, spaceships. I would disagree. I would say that mm -hmm. those are actually That's in right. turn strengths. Yeah. I would just say, know that you're getting into it. I would like, sometimes I say you shouldn't know anything about a movie before going to it. I'll say, no, know that you're going to watch a really scary alien movie, but that it's top heavy. Like it's the last third where you're going to get the scares, but you're going to get a lot of interesting setup. And I've, my opinion of the movie has only improved. Because I was in high school when I first watched the movie, and I was a little bit impatient with it when I first saw it. But every year that goes by, I think, I don't know that it's been beat as far as, you know, this type of uh, movie mm -hmm. where I can take it, <clears throat> quote, seriously. Mm -hmm. So I think it's immensely successful. Yeah. But that's just my opinion. The one thing I'll start off with before I get into it, uh, when we're criticizing walk-in in the previous film, because he's not life. an everyman, D.B. Sweeney is an everyman. Yes, he is. And that's the type of actor that they needed that's in correct. communion. Yes. It helps a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I, I think it's it may be D.B. Sweeney's best performance. I right. mean, it, he had a very brief... Run there. Run there. The, the cutting edge, the figure skating movie and this. And Oh, I'm aware of the cutting edge. Yes, I know you are. <laughs> yes. We speak the same language, you and I. <laughs> Um, I, I feel like if I had any guts that I would be choosing this as the number one movie on my rank, if I had any guts, I, I, I you know why I'm hesitating a bit, right. but, um, because of the six, the one that this time around I had the best time with right. was fire in the sky. Right. I, I have, as I do with all of these, I have, I have some positive notes. I have some negative notes. Um, I, I've heard this before, and I kind of agree that the second act is the weakest part of the film. I like the first act. Like, the first scene felt so dramatic. It's like, oh, whoa, where's, you know, what's going on here? But then I, I, I kind of settled into it once they get into the bar and all of this, all this stuff has happened. And we, like, uh, we hear the story that they have agreed to tell. And, and you know, James Garner... Um, that that could be just a th throwaway type of role. James Garner elevates that. That's another instance where a two dimensional character becomes a lot more interesting he and a lot more important. Doesn't believe their story for a minute, and you know what? He shouldn't. No, no, no. <laughs> he shouldn't. No, no it, it doesn't make sense. Some of the small town stuff, I think some of it would be true. Yeah. But you know, this kind of positive leader in the town, Robert Patrick, suddenly. Well, everybody believes that he's a murderer, and then everybody's terrible to him. I can get behind that. What I, I can't get behind is, first of all, I, I don't know what purpose they thought in having this town hall meeting uh, to discuss the investigation. And it's a setup for a rather ridiculous monologue, um, which doesn't say much. It just leads them to the conclusion that they're going to do the lie detector tests. But the Robert Patrick doing his best to deliver on what I thought was a badly written monologue. Yeah. But th those are the negatives. Once we get into like, oh, he's alive and trying to figure out where he is and that whole journey. Um, 
that's fantastic stuff. Uh, and when, you know, I, I love the editing when he's being taken off to the hospital and he's having flashes of the ship. Yeah. I am not quite sure why when they discover him naked in the gas station, their first call was the UFO people. That's a strange I, I don't think that happened. I think you're calling the ambulance right no. away. And also, once he's found, the people who have been called in to do this investigation have no reason to stay around, and they just do. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> These are things I have no Yeah, I, 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 it doesn't, yeah, it just doesn't, doesn't make sense. But, yeah, the, the highlight of this film, and the reason it maybe should be number one um, on my list, is on the ship, because... And there's another movie that does this, and I think fairly well, but not as well as this. That That is one of the scariest, best sequences I've ever seen um, on an alien ship. And this is one where going into the ship was absolutely necessary for this movie. Yeah. Versus the restraint of Spielberg not going into the ship in Close Encounters. Because yeah. they're about different And we spend topics. an hour and 20 minutes leading up to this point. Like, yes. we, we earn it. Yes. And, <laughs> and it does not disappoint. No. It does not disappoint. And they don't lurk in the shadows anymore. We get a look at a bunch of different aliens and they're mm -hmm. all quite frightening. And the experience is uncomfortable to watch. It feels like a rape scene almost. Because that's oh. how people oh. describe it, right? Um, so, and the gore and, and how long it goes and, on, oh. it just keeps going on and on. It's like you spend the whole movie wanting this scene, but once the scene gets here, you want the scene to stop. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure he wanted out of there too, <laughs> right? Um, but yeah, I, I had heard that the guy who wrote the book or that had this experience, I don't know if he was that happy with the movie, right? But I, I don't know what what exactly happened. Now this is one where I'm having trouble. And, you know, maybe a bad acid trip, and that's why he disappeared for four Wanted days. off into the woods. And, and has no memory of, uh, of what went on. And, and that's a very memory. credible I think that's because in each movie I was trying to figure out, okay, what is the down-to-earth possibility that happened here? And I, I had theories for all of them. I, I was... Whether he wandered off during an acid strip or he was stolen by the alien, I think the thing that I latched onto with the Robert Patrick character, Mike, yeah, is when he sees his buddy, as he describes it, trapped in this beam of light. By the way, D.B. Sweeney is doing everything wrong. Everyone tells him to stop. Everyone says, don't do it. Yeah. And he wanders off to them. Like, he puts himself in this yeah. position. But Mike cannot forgive himself for driving away. Yeah. Like, and I understand that. Like, I totally get it. Yeah, you left it your was friend there. absolutely terrifying. Mm -hmm. And he was doing everything wrong. And then all of a sudden he was being lifted up in the sky. And he, he had to remove himself from the situation so he hit the gas. And he just can't forgive himself for it. And I think that's such a strong character beat. And I think that feeds into a lot of the... He feels he kind of deserves the shit that he's getting on some level. He's not lying to these people about what happened, but he did abandon his friend. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. He did. And, I mean, I don't want to spoil it, because I, I don't think a lot of people have seen this movie. It's been kind of a bit of a forgotten early 90s, and I have a soft spot for those. Well, it should be um, rediscovered. Cause it's I, really it, real, it really should. But that last scene is terrific. Yeah. <laughs> it's a trip. See, when you just pare it down to those guys at the end. What a beautiful way to end the film. They've both been changed, but they're both 
still friends and they forgive each other mm-hmm. if that was required. Yeah. I'd like to think that if D.B. Sweeney put the pieces together, he would not have any resentment. Like, obviously what happened to him was ter- terrible, but you have to understand that that would have been an absolutely terrifying mm-hmm. experience for everybody involved. It's interesting to see what happens that, you know, he, he gains his family. Yeah. And Robert Patrick loses, loses his. It. Yeah. You know, um, there's something tragic about it. And, yeah, Robert Patrick is is really good. I mean, oh, I think he, he anchors the, the film. Performance of the movie. Totally. Yeah, yeah. And but, that was the thing and, that And everybody's me. good, though. I, yeah. I can't... What, but, was there... Maybe some of the town folks are, were a little bit... Oh, whatever, like, but, they're a good character. Absolutely. You know Noble Willingham, the, the, the sheriff? The, oh, yeah, yeah. You see him in all sorts yeah, of movies. Yeah, he's a character. Like that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I think that, that it was actually Robert Patrick that was the thing that sh- shone the brightest for me this yes. viewing. Because it had been a while since I'd seen it, too. And, like, again, I went in thinking, like, the D.B. Sweeney movie. But, no, no, no. This is a Robert Patrick mm-hmm. movie. And, uh, man, he did a great villain role in that Copland movie. And, like, you get yes. to see him every now and then really shine out. But I don't think he ever got his fair shake. No. As much as he got a career out of Terminator 2, he kind of got sort of slotted into, like, villain mm-hmm. roles in the faculty or whatever. And uh, there he's sort of, he's made a good living. But I wonder if he was an unsung powerhouse that didn't get his due. I, I think there's a lot of the the actors that we know from film and television that are considered one thing. Yeah. That could do a lot more. And sometimes you hear about, they do, they do theater. Right. Or maybe it's not Broadway, but it's in their hometown or something where they, they get to play the characters that they can't get in TV shows and film. And... But th- I'm, I'm glad that this performance exists to oh, sure. let people know that he's a lot more than a Terminator or a... Well, I think, well, he was part of X-Files, too. I yeah. just, just remembered yeah. that as I was thinking it. Yeah, so I was and say, they gave like, him more to do in that. Yeah. It and still kind of felt like the, they were waiting for David Duchovny to, to figure out his stuff to come back to the show. Like, he always felt... Maybe but it's unfair to say that. X-Files Terminator in this, if he wanted to make his living in the convention circuit, he probably oh, could now. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I don't think we need to be worried for Robert uh, Patrick. But <laughs> no, he's I fine. Just, I, I've always liked him, but I, I I just somehow missed this one. Like, even seeing this yeah. movie several times, I've missed how good he was. So. And you mentioned, too, uh, Copland and Faculty are yeah. terrific performances, but still that villain, still that villain as opposed to... Um, the, the everyman guy that we're cheering for and we're watching is like, no, no, he's not a murderer. Like, come on, town, why this, are you... This story costs him as much as it does D.B. Sweeney. Yeah. Like, well, arguably more. Yeah. Good enough? Good enough. They're there again. What are you all looking at? Goddamn radio. Come on, it's not like we're having a close encounter or something. Matt! You guys okay? Matt, Joe's heart, get in here. Pull it out. Doesn't she get into a hospital? I'm going to get help. There's something ahead. Is someone out there? Matt, where the hell are you? Matt! Is that a gunshot? Get inside! Get on right now! Everyone, stay away from the windows. There's something out there. I'm begging you to believe me. It's Matt, he's outside! No, no, no. Go back! Molly! 
Alright, we're going to talk about this film called Night Skies, which I'm sure of this list of movies is probably the one the least amount of people have any awareness mm-hmm. of. Because I believe it was a direct-to-video release and came and went, made no ripples. And maybe that's deserve it. Maybe that's deserve it. This is a micro-budget movie. Mm-hmm. And that becomes painfully obvious, painfully early in the movie. But it's really going for it in a way that I do cheer for it. Like... I have made a movie. <laughs> like, yes. I, I, I know how hard it is to do it. So I get the corners that are being cut. And although I see it like anything shot outside of the motorhome that we're in in this movie was shot in a completely different time and place than mm-hmm. anything that was shot inside the motorhome. And that is painfully obvious when you see it through the in the movie like Mm -hmm. the illusion isn't there when they're looking out the windows at the lights in the sky it's a really embarrassingly bad green screen effect like the edges of their bodies look like crimped in it looks like a worse effect than you saw in like some of the early effects from like the 70s 60s 70s where it was like a really awe-inspiring effect but super obvious Mm -hmm. but it's weird to have super obvious green screen in 2007 like, and uh, so there's a lot to climb over in the movie, but because I've been in the position to try to make a movie for no money, I find myself cheering for this movie. Some of the exposition, as handled by the screenplay, is terrible. <laughs> like, terrible, wince-inducing dialogue. This is who I am. <laughs> Everybody here would already know that, but I'm going to say it out loud. <laughs> yeah. I say all of this, but I'm going to throw a butt on it. If you can get past that, and it's going to be a hurdle. Some of the acting is better than others. The main character is intensely unlikable, or at least the main character as we're introduced. Shockingly, to. like... <laughs> yeah. And, like... There's a lot working against the movie. And yet, I think it does have moments where all of a sudden it just clicks in and starts working for a few minutes. I'm like, yeah, you guys, you're doing it. We're there. This is this is working. This is working. And then, oh, oh, no, now we dropped the ball again. Oh, but you picked it up again. I do think that, generally speaking, the deeper into the movie we get, the better things are, are going for this movie. But I can't think of a person that I would recommend watching Night Skies to without blushing pretty hard. <laughs> I'm cheering for the movie. I I like like that they treat it seriously and with gravitas. It's not one of these cheap movies where they're like, look at how cheap this is. Look at how silly we're being. Like they're taking it one thousand mm-hmm. percent seriously, and uh, that's I think the way to go. Don't be trauma about it or like like just be mm-hmm. winking at the camera or just give up before you start. Yeah. Make the best movie that you can with the tools at your disposal. Mm-hmm. So, though I may give it a shrugging, barely there thumbs up because I liked what they were going for and I, I'm just sympathetic to the cause, I have a real hard time endorsing it that enthusiastically. Because it is, at the end of the day, kind of amateur. But when it works, it works. And there's enough times it works that, like, I'm, at the risk of sounding condescending, I'm proud of everybody involved. 
You know, like, I'm so cheering for this scrappy little silly movie. And uh, I would love to see what they would do with a bigger budget and a more confident cast. So, a swing and a miss, but it's an affectionate thumbs down. <laughs> is that, I guess? So, is your thumb up or it's it is right, down? It's, it's right on the you side. You said it was kind of up. Okay. Like, for me, I give it enough of a thumbs up, but it's not enough of a thumbs up that I can think of anyone that I would say, mm-hmm. you should watch Night Skies, you'll really like it. Like, I feel like it's my personal life experience, my love for this genre, and the fact that I've made a movie in and about this mm-hmm. budget range, that <clears throat> I'd cheer for it. Well, I'll tell you, you can recommend it to you, Jason Dubray. Nice. Because this one snuck up on me and was, uh, it's all a thumbs up, actually. To the point where I've struggled where to put it in the ranking. Because right. it seemed like it'd be an obvious bottom of the list in, in the, the first section. From a production standpoint, I would say yes. that it is. Well, yes. I yeah. mean, but that's not... That doesn't that's, mean it's the worst That's not movie. what we're looking... Because... Um, there's other movies that had more of a budget to work with and had more advantages, but I think there are some sequences that are actually scary and very dark. Um, but you're right. It's, it's the last two thirds, like when they leave that motor home, I think that's when the movie is most effective. Yeah. Uh, they get stuck there for a while and I, I guess... My arms started to be crossed pretty early, <laughs> and when I realized it, yes, our um, originally who we think the anchor of the film is is such a misogynistic jerk that does things which make no sense. Like he's a distracted driver; he causes a major accident, and then for reasons I cannot possibly understand, other than his wounded pride. He gets out of the or gets out of the uh, motorhome, and he starts beating up at the poor guy who's at the side of the road, who and then blames him for the accident. And no matter this, what this guy does to help them, including no, like he will never change his mind on this guy being evil. Like he just he just says, "This is not my fault. I decide it's his fault." And no matter what happens from this point on, we are enemies. And considering the situation they're faced with, that doesn't track real. No. That like all of that is horrible. Um, fortunately, and I was hoping for this pretty early on. He he doesn't last till the end of the movie. No, and it's almost like the movie gets started when 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 he's out of the picture, and when we get away from kind of the scene of the accident. Yeah. Um, I guess the criticism, or maybe where I don't have a leg to stand on, is we spend a lot of time in that motorhome, and but there's reasons for it. Like one of one of the uh, his buddy is seriously, seriously is, is is dying and and getting this medical help from this uh, stranger. I, right? I, yeah, the stranger, this uh, veteran of the Iraq War. Richard um, is the guy that they run into. Yeah, and Matt is the main character that we've been complaining yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, I'm not crazy about Matt. I I think you're right. The acting's all over the place. I kind of um, zoomed in. On the positive side, A.J. Cook, who is from Criminal Minds, um, plays his uh, his fiance. The um, and they're the trying jerk. to like do this reveal that she's pregnant. Yeah, it's pretty fucking obvious. And it's like a sitcom where they 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 don't they always get interrupted when she's about to reveal it. 
Actually, I think to the film's credit, he never knew. Yeah, this guy never point. knew that he was to be a father. Yeah. But the payoff to that pregnancy and what happens Oof. with the alien abduction is brutal. Yeah. It is. It is brutal. They, they, they do not, you know, um, hold back. And that's the section of the film I really admire. Um, I also, from scene to scene, it's a little bit, uh, the actor who played the Iraq vet, um, sometimes he plays things a little bit big. But he's he's never boring, and he's he's not a jerk. I think he gave the best performance, but I think he also mm. had the most to do. He he had a lot to do. There's points when he, you know, because he's 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 so calm dealing with the medical situation, but he comes in like a a raving lunatic after. Well, he what, just got the happened. shit kicked out of him. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, no. All, but I'm, oh, I'm talking about like after, after he they go the in the woods yeah, and okay. and. And he may have shot a character that I was wanting to die yeah. or, or, or not. But he starts talking about aliens and like this was not the way to... These people weren't quite sure about him to begin with. And like the, the girl suspicious. who was into him suddenly turns against him in that scene. You just disappeared into the woods with a guy who beat you up. Gunshots were heard. Mm -hmm. You came running out of the woods yes. covered in blood saying, aliens, aliens. Yes. Aliens, but, your brother is dead, you're, you know. What um, caused the accident, though? They saw these weird lights in the sky, and they were looking yeah. at the lights <laughs> when the accident happened. Yes. So there is some setup for that story, too. Yes. Um, and, I, and I like the, the sister, too. Like, his... The uh, um, the potential love interest that never yeah. came mm -hmm. to be. But, but when it comes down to, like, the two characters towards the end, and they end up in that um, cabin, I, I don't think the first scene is necessary at all. Where we we have this false idea of what that scene's going to be. It was like, like uh, the casino scene, or that. Yeah, I remember she you thinks criticized. she's being chased by the alien, but she's being tricked again by the aliens. And again, that's not handled just, well. Just just start it with the, the he RV says, and the and the accident instead. What? Why? They're what? getting in our heads. They're making us see things. Mm -hmm. It's not. It's not handled well. Like no, that no. angle of it. But. Uh, not as good as Fire in the Sky, but all, the sequences on the alien ship for a micro-budget film... The special I effects think, went up about 2,000%. Oh, I don't know. If that's. I mean, that was if that's where their money went, that was yeah. money well spent. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, the third act of the film is, is horrifying. Yeah. And it, it worked for me. Um, I'm not sure I needed the Carrie-like moment at the end of the film, which was so predictable. I could see it coming yeah. a mile away. But... Um, I, I thought where we started and where we got to, it was like while I was watching the movie, my my expectations lowered to a point that was so low the that I didn't think there was any redeeming <laughs> qualities in this film. And when it like picked up its socks in the uh, last two thirds, it's like I really enjoyed that movie. I think I enjoyed that movie more than some movies I'm supposed to like more than this one. Right. Well, that's I, why this has been a confusing rank for me. I <laughs> definitely stand by that it gets better the deeper into the movie yeah. you go. My my reason for being torn on how to like recommend it is that it goes from so not good to actually really decent, mm -hmm. but it's really not good at the start. Like mm -hmm. it's solidly not good. Um, so I think it requires a patient viewer. I think if you're into alien abduction movies, this is an obscure one too. Like yes. I say, it came and went. If you can get your hands on it and it's something that interests you, for sure, 
general audiences sitting down to watch a movie, I don't think a lot of them would make it to the good part of the movie. That sucks yeah, to say. Uh, yeah, loud, I know. But I, I, I know. really do feel that way. There's a few movies like that. I, I have a guilty pleasure shark movie called Bait. Mm-hmm. The opening kill in that movie is so bad that I would understand someone not sitting through the rest of the movie. But uh, once the movie actually kicks in, it becomes a fun shark movie. You know, uh, sometimes you just need to give a movie a chance. And so, yeah, give the movie a chance. But I, I'm not confident about the recommendation. I own bait, by the way. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah so. <laughs> You know, it's not going to change your life, Jason, but it's a fun movie. <laughs> yes, yes. And um, same with this one. Exactly. I I don't know. I, I think I actually like it more than you do. Right. And I'm normally the one that's being hard on uh, micro-budget I'm films. I'm glad, because I really kind of thought you were like, Jesus, Larry, why are you making me watch this? Was was possible. I mean, I'm not assuming what I that I know how you're going to respond to a movie, but I thought it was possible. Like, mm-hmm. And... Um, I always wanted to discuss it for the list. Like, it's it's in the conversation. Yeah. And I'm not the one to dismiss a micro-budget movie, but I made one. Yes. <laughs> um, I, I, your movie's better than this one. Yeah, well, thank you. But I think that having that perspective on it... Like, your movie is... Like, it's, it's good in all three acts. This <laughs> yeah. one is good in two of the three acts. That's right. Unfortunately, the first act where you really have to hook a viewer is the worst part. And that's crucial. Yeah. Yeah. Give it a chance. Give it a chance, and I don't know. I what did you think of AJ Cook? I mean, I didn't know her from the TV show or whatever. Um, I, 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 I thought my problem was less about the acting than about the writing for her. Mm-hmm. But you're right. When she's like uh, a forced abortion is basically put upon her by mm-hmm. these aliens. She's lost her fiance. She's lost all of her friends. She's on the spaceship, and she begs this guy to shoot her. Like, <laughs> I didn't think that's where this movie was going. So, no. Oh, what a brutal scene. Oh. I, 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 I liked it for that, but you're right about the Carrie scare at the ending. I, I don't think they fooled anyone mm-hmm. with that either. Yeah. But again, I, um, it overperformed in the third act, doubtlessly. Mm-hmm. The entire movie overperformed for me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I'm happy. This yeah. makes me happy. Yeah, I'm going to try, try to think who I can recommend it to. Beckman, maybe? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Beckman! State your name for the camera. Dr. Abigail Tyler. Okay, where would you like to begin? I am actress Mila Jovovich, and I will be portraying Dr. Abigail Tyler. This film is a dramatization of events that occurred October 2000. Every scene in this movie is supported by archive footage. Some of what you're about to see is extremely disturbing. wake up in the middle of the night almost every night. There's nothing unusual waking you up? There's one thing. There's an owl at my window. An owl? His eyes are big. A white owl just looking at me. Had you ever seen it before? Tommy? When I was a kid, just staring at me. I've seen it a lot. Every night this week. Four, three, two. Tell me about the owl. It doesn't look like a normal owl. There's no owl. It's not an owl. That voice is speaking Sumerian, the oldest language in human history. You can go into any Sumerian exhibit and see etchings and sculptures of men in space suits and oxygen masks. Rockets that look like Apollo. Do you believe in abduction theories? You don't mean alien abductions, do you? 
tear in his eyes than I've ever seen in my life. What's wrong? There are more missing people in Nome Sam. than any other town in Alaska. I have to get this out of my head because it's dug in there and I can't think Alright, the fourth kind <coughs> is an interesting number. It's the director, I'm going to make an attempt, Olatunde Osunsanmi. That's I, as good as I, better than I could try. Yeah. I apologize to anyone out there who knows how that's exactly supposed to be pronounced, but there it is. Um, he's kind of taking an every approach at once to this. Uh, it's supposedly based on true events that happened in Nome, Alaska, although anybody involved in the case hates the movie. And not to start off on the wrong foot, but I hate this movie. I think it's like... I don't know. I, like, I, it's one of these ones where I don't even know where to start. Because it's on a subject that I find really interesting mm-hmm. and really industrious, because it's based on a true story, and because it's plugged full of people who I have a lot of respect for, I love Elias Kateas. Mm, yeah. I love Will Patton. Yeah. Rock-solid supporting actors. And they're good in the movie. But the movie is like consciously, almost every other scene, deliberately taking you out of the movie. Yes. Like, they set it up, and Mila Hohovich, as I've always called her, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, comes up and introduces herself, says, I'm going to be playing this character. And then we're going to also have this footage of uh, a different actress playing the, quote, real character being interviewed. And then we're going to, like, not just show you this scene, we're going to show you you know, our reenactment plus the quote air quotes real footage, which is all fake, or these real audio recordings, which is all fake. Mm-hmm. And they're just constantly, when they introduce um, the sheriff, sorry, uh, Sheriff August, Will Patton, they say Will Patton as Sheriff August. This is over a half an hour into the movie. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, thank you. I mean, it's not that I didn't know that was Will Patton, but. It jars me out of the movie. I find the presentation of the movie so distracting mm-hmm. that no matter how interesting individual beats and scenes are, mm-hmm. the movie is constantly cutting its own throat. It takes any tension out of the movie. It takes any reality out of the movie, which is weird because that's exactly what they're going for is like to make this feel as real as possible. But the reenactments don't work. The fake interviews, I guess, maybe have their moments here and there because of, like, the weird gauntness of performance. But, like, I was so consistently Mm -hmm. taken out of the movie that I ended up being irritated by it. (laughs) Like, and, uh, like, at times, I feel like if it was handled just slightly better, this could be, like, at least in the neighborhood of the Mothman prophecies we talked about for the, mm-hmm. the Naughties list. Yeah. It didn't make my list, but I really liked the vibe of it. I really liked how I got to know this community, and yes. I really got to, like, it, it sinks into my nerves. Speaking of Will Patton, I mean, yeah, Same thing, very effective right? performance in that movie, yeah. And this movie could have, and frankly, fucking should have been that. And because it's so far from being that, like, mm-hmm. I give it a lower grade maybe than it deserves, but... It shook me off early, and I was never able to climb back on, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. The basic story is Mila Hovovich is playing Abby Tyler, who's a psychiatrist, who notices a lot of her clients are having very bizarre similarities in their visions, dreams, hallucinations, whatever. 
and sometimes involving a large owl hanging outside their window. Mm -hmm. Again, huge Mothman prophecies yeah. vibes. <clears throat> but the approach to the storytelling completely undoes it for me to the point where at some point I just throw up my hands and wait for the thing to be fucking over. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, uh, that's uh, that's my opening unfriendly salvo yeah. on the forecast. The weird thing is that there are people who love this movie. I've heard people say they think this movie is terrifying. And uh, I, I find those cheesy documentaries that you can watch on the History Channel or whatever, uh, they can be diverting and amusing, but dismissible. And this is three or four tiers below that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, you'd rather watch the alien autopsy on I would. Fox or whatever, yeah. I would. It's yeah. somehow weirdly more honest. <laughs> yeah, but uh, that's. That, I mean, is that fair? I mean, we're, we're... I, I think it's fair, and I I totally get where you're coming from. Um, with this, have you ever seen a movie like this? Well, in, it's not found footage. It's not. It's not really reenactment. I guess. I mean, I. It, it seems closer to like I say, one of those faux documentaries you'd see on TV with reenactments in mm -hmm. it, or that uh, mountaineering documentary, um, Touching the Void. Yes. Where they have the actual people who <clears throat> survived being interviewed, but they also have really cool reenactments yes. to help involve you with the story. Like, but I guess I haven't seen it packaged as a movie, but. Uh, I guess I've seen variations yeah. of this. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I. this is the one where I'm torn this time around because when, when I first saw it, right time, right place, I don't know if this was kind of like my paranormal uh, activity experience or whatever where I, I, I saw it late at night, I saw it alone. Um, it, it, it genuinely scared me. Okay. Um, the first the, the first time I saw it, not this time. Right. First time I saw it, it scared me. I thought, you know, um, uh, like the like the reenactments and then the the real footage, and I didn't do enough research to see how how fake the real footage was. I, maybe you have, but I. I nobody who were involved in the incidents in Nome, Alaska, will say anything nice about this movie. No, I think that. Well, it looks something. it looks bad for their town. Yeah, I mean, uh, I can understand. Also, that. fun fact, and this is a minor thing, and I'm not trying to be all woke or whatever. Nome, Alaska is 50% native, just for the record. Mm -hmm. but it's not reflected. In not reflected. Not reflected at all. The representation is wrong, but yeah. Um. The uh, Mila Jokovic is doppelganger there the 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 real psychiatrist looks very scary yeah and somehow that kind of worked for me the first time and even a little bit this time she's a good actress and she looks right yeah. for the part yeah but i don't like how they present her as authentic footage because it's yes. not yes <laughs> it's like, just another actor because it was just another act and is all of that's very well performed and i i guess i kind of bought it because i wasn't um researching this enough to see but there were some bits where like okay like at convenient moments then the uh the camera kind of goes out which supposedly is when the aliens are messing with the technology you know yeah. i'm like i don't i don't buy any of that for a second but some of the images that would be kind of startling would 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 happen and it was kind of like uh, again closer to a demon possession type of a movie 
in those scenes. And those worked for me, again, the first time I saw it. So I guess if it was based on the first time I watched it, this may be towards the top of the list. Believe right. it, believe it or not. Okay, well, that's fine. This, I, I know I'm but this, minority. But this opinion. time, uh, this time around, I was more my take on it and what happened to this, I, and I have sympathy for this poor woman, um, is I think the, um, the suicide of her husband was a traumatic event. And sure, she's a psychiatrist, but it's tough to diagnose yourself or your kids or whatever. Um, and that gets and, compounded. And that, so then yeah. she went into this um, alternate reality with what she thinks happened. Yeah. Um, and then was kind of pushing this on to what she was seeing with some of her clients, which I, I again I don't buy a, a lot of a lot of that that went on. Also, just knowing a bit now like as a counselor not a psychiatrist like she is but as a counselor there are so many uh ethical things that she does wrong like she there's that scene kind of early on elias Coteas gives the best performance in the film i think i, love elias I think this is a, a better than average mila jokovic performance because sometimes she's flat sometimes. i loved her in uh, fifth element sure and i keep waiting for something that great to, to happen again. This was the closest, I would say, for in my opinion. Um, but Elias Coteus is, is the best one. Will Patton is a bit over the top in places. He's screaming and yelling, but he's probably o trying to overcompensate for this screenplay in this, this movie that he's in. Um, but I, I, I think the, the other piece is she should not have been seeing patients. And there's that scene where she should be going on sabbatical. That's absolutely what should have happened. Uh, I mean, we don't have a movie, I guess, if that happens. She goes on sabbatical and gets the help that she needs. But then it all, all becomes this, you know, made-up documentary about alien abductions and, and we're, we're left to question things. And we bring in, as, as often happens with these movies, kind of this expert in ancient languages in the... Uh, kind of late in the second act of the film yeah. and that's another one where he shows up and we're, we're probably an hour in and then they they mention the actor's name is playing this and none of them have their the real names that they their yeah. characters actually were um the subterfuge isn't necessary no like you like, don't need like, to do can, that. can we just do like you know i like this a lot more than than communion but could we just just tell the story as or if you if you must do this casting call, just get it out of the way but, at the beginning. Like I I hate that it feels like the credits are running through the entire movie. Yeah, <laughs> it was just, oh this is when this character was introduced. But yeah, I, it's it suffers from over direction, particularly with things like the sheriff, the Will Patton mm -hmm. characters. They didn't use a real name. He's not based on any one real character no. because they couldn't do that honestly. No. So what's the they, point they, they of the subterfuge been, at all? It's it would make sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I think it's just this woman is the only, yeah. um, and and not the person who was playing her. But I, I, I guess the other thing was that in its favor, I don't think I've seen a movie like this. And I, to me, it it feels in some ways like a giant swing, and it might be a a miss, but it's a giant swing for the fences because I just I don't visually I don't remember ever seeing a movie like this, but. 
I agree. There's some scenes where, um, I have an example here, where when they switch out of supposedly like, the real footage, it, it really, it, yeah, the scene with the, the husband and wife, where he has the gun to his wife's yeah, head, that's that gets totally, guy. any dramatic tension, everything gets completely thrown by the wayside because of this, these visual choices this director is making that, you know, kind of, oh, we need to prove that this really happened or whatever. I think the whole handling of that scene was misguided. It, it was. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, again, seeing one family slaughter would be enough. Now we get to see two family slaughters simultaneously. Mm -hmm. yeah. And both of them are fake. Like, there's nothing real. Again, And you're not going to convince us as an audience that we're going to watch this snuff film. Like, that that no. would be an okay thing to show no. us. Nor is the reaction to it. Like, everyone's punishing the psychiatrist for that. That wouldn't happen. But I do believe on top of her husband's suicide, mm -hmm. the fact that her patient went home and killed his family and himself would weigh on her pretty fucking heavily. And it's it's acknowledged, but it's not really taken well, that seriously. And, like, And she's being supervised by Elias Coteus, but there's, there's stuff that he would never... Like, th this, this idea... And hypnotism is used. It's used in communion as well. Yep. Um, this is just, there's so many violations of any kind of patient client. Um, like you, you have a duty to, for, you know, to keep your clients or your patients safe. And she completely disregards that. Yeah. Uh, throughout, like she would be, if, if this was accurate to what this woman did, um, you know, and, and my, I guess my excuse I'm going is that she suffered a trauma and now she's she she's just not a safe person to be hand, handling people who are in treatment and in, in care. She needs to treat herself. But, like she needs yeah, to she look needs after to be healthy herself. herself, but the the fact that others go along with it. I I'm just not buying a lot a lot of that stuff and as we talk about it, but And that's so important to the movie yeah, because it's so grounded it in is. its own reality it, that the second you start not buying mm, any one piece of it, yeah. it all starts to tip over. Yeah. I just remember hearing about, I think it was on like a Roper and Ebert review. And I thought, well, this looks like a fascinating film. They, they, I mean, they, I believe their thumbs were firmly down on it, but I thought, well, this, this looks like it's something that's different. I, I haven't seen anything. And to this day, I still haven't seen anything quite like it, but a whether it works or not. approach might've worked if this was like a serial killer or something. Mm -hmm. And it was a psychiatrist that, I don't know, suspected one of her patients, but, uh, couldn't violate privilege or for whatever reason ended up solving the case herself. And this was a recreation of that. But I think because we're asked to swallow so many huge pills, mm -hmm. this full reality is unsustainable. Plus the obviousness with which for me, like that, mm -hmm. the, the, they make they credit the actors in the reenacted sequences, but not in the quote real sequences. Yes. But they're all reenacted yes, sequences, yes. right? Yeah. And that's just in the back of my brain the whole time, and it just like it it undermines the entire movie. And the thing is, is that I went in wanting this to be good. Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. I wanted this to be like, yeah, this is the interesting thing. But um, I also feel like they're preaching at us. Oh yeah. The end, like way too much. Like the end is like, well. Decide what you want, but you've got to acknowledge something happened. Something here. happened here. Yeah, uh, and yeah. you can get meta in ways that are uh, amusing. About the fifth or sixth time I saw the movie Scream, there's a scene where 
Jamie Kennedy, our good friend, is watching Jamie Lee Curtis on the screen. <laughs> and he's yelling at Jamie, not the character Laurie Strode, but Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie, look out. He's behind you. And behind Jamie, Kennedy, <laughs> is the ghost face killer. So he's yelling, Jamie, look behind you. And this is all meta and hilarious. And it works in the context of Scream. In this movie, yeah. when the actual director of the movie is interviewing Mila Hovich at the end of the movie, I wanted to fucking throw something at the TV. Guess, yes. Like, fuck off. Yes, yes. Seriously, fuck uh, off. Yeah. And when I get mad at a movie, oh, I know. I'm not going to get scared by and, the movie. And, it, and, it, <laughs> and, it, and it doesn't happen often, by no, the way. It doesn't, you know? But, like, it totally destroyed any atmosphere yeah. the movie was creating, and I couldn't engage with it. I acknowledge that some people have, so, like, if if you're really curious to check out <laughs> The Fourth Kind, I guess check it out. I really didn't like it. Yeah, I, I know. I, I, again, I feel like I end up going to the same place. But judge for yourself. But, yeah, I, you, I think you're almost convincing me to change my thumb from up to down. You're down. allowed to like it. You're I, at least like I'm in kind of wavering because <laughs> no. I don't. I don't think it's diminishing returns for sure. On from the first viewing to the second viewing, if for some reason I don't own this movie, right. uh, if for some reason I ended up watching it for a third time for some reason, I, I wonder if I would get to where you are. How many times have you watched this? Uh, well, I. I'll say this was my third. I, I I think I watched like about two thirds of it the first time mm-hmm. and I gave up. Like mm-hmm. I was like pissed off, but I thought I, I wanted to go back to it. Yeah. So I've watched it like two and a half times. Okay. <laughs> but okay. also, I, I'm pretty convinced of like, it's not going to change my mind at this point. Yeah. No, I, I don't think, him, <laughs> I don't think more viewings is going to help this. It's probably going to make things worse. So, yeah. Fair enough. Vibrations coming from three different directions flew into your house. It's as if something was drawing them to your home. Something's going on. What are we talking about? I don't know. I can't explain it. Sammy, come here. Let me take a look at you. The marks on your son's body appear to have been applied with a brand. There are people who have reported experiencing the same things that we have been experiencing. I found a guy who claims to be an expert on this stuff. Have you experienced any unexplained illnesses or blackouts? Daniel? Why aren't you answering me? Daniel! Feeling that you might not be in control of your own body? There's something wrong with you people! You cannot escape them. Sooner or later, when they're ready, they will take your family. Do not open the store under any circumstance. So, as you've talked about, we bring baggage to movies, and our reaction to a movie can be related to our headspace or our experience of that said movie. I mentioned it with Communion, like, (laughs) (laughs) I was terrified because I was eight when I first saw it, and part of me can't shake the impression that that first one made. When I came to see Dark Skies, there was a lot of hits against it. Came out of the Bloom House, and like they'd been releasing hit horror movie after hit horror mm-hmm. movie, and this is the one that just bombed. That mm-hmm. like no one watched it, and the people who did said, "Oh, it's very forgettable." So lower expectations might happen, 
This is also from the director of Priest and Legion. If you don't remember either of those movies, that's appropriate. <laughs> like, there wasn't a lot... <laughs> this is, it's, it's not... It's, <laughs> we got happy, Larry, for the end of these reviews. <laughs> well, uh, I'm, I'm actually going to yeah, start yeah. saying really nice things. Oh, I know you will. Yeah. Like, I didn't know it was a build-up. There was reason... <laughs> To be skeptical coming into this movie is what I'm yes. trying to say. Like, uh, and I think that the director Scott Stewart raised his game here in that it's not just the special <coughs> effects extravaganza. The special effects aren't doing all the work. The atmosphere is doing a lot of the work, and the cast is doing a lot of the work. In a way, this is like a full bar improvement on his previous films. Due respect to fans of Legion and Priest. <laughs> um, uh, it's familiar in that, you know, we have, it reminded me like of the remake of Poltergeist, so like mm. the, the family's not doing particularly well, yeah. uh, the husband's desperate for a job, uh, Carrie Russell's working in real estate, which is a stressful profession, mm -hmm. and there's weirdness happening with the kids at home and yeah. these frights at night, but it grounds the characters in a, in a more relatable world. Yes. A lot of the times in the like Hollywood presentations, they they're living the perfect life, the perfect family in a mansion. You know, like they're just living the perfect life. There's a lot of problems on board before the shit starts hitting yes. the fan in this movie, and I appreciated the patience to help set that up. Uh -huh. And I wondered if that wasn't the thing that kind of kicked people off the movie. I also have a soft spot for Josh Hamilton. He's in one of the earliest and still, I think, one of the best Noah Baumbach movies called Kicking and Screaming. Uh -huh. <clears throat> and he doesn't get used as often as I would like to. He's in The Walking Dead, I think. He had a very brief yeah. tenure in The Walking Dead, yeah, towards yeah. the end of The Walking Dead, but yeah. yes. Right. And I, I think he's decent. But again, he's one of these actors that I think is waiting to be discovered, because, yes. like, I like him. Um, and that helped me get into the movie, too. J.K. Simmons, of course, is always a welcome presence he, in these he movies. Is, yeah. And uh, much like Francis Sternhagen in, in Communion, yeah. you need someone that good to sell something this crazy. Yes. And... Kudos for that. Mm -hmm. So I have to say, when I first watched this movie, I was like, why did everybody hate Dark Sky so much? It's not amazing. It's not mm -hmm. going to change the scape of cinema. But, like, what was the problem? And I'm wondering if it's not the quote-unquote twist of the movie. Again, mm -hmm. I have this bad habit mm -hmm. of jumping right to the end of the movie. But the whole movie, it's set up that they're after the littlest boy in in the household like he has the most direct encounters it seems yes. with the aliens and he's trying to warn them about the sandman and everything like that before things go south and i hate to jump right to the spoilers but just to to help yeah. defend my and position a lot of people haven't seen it so yeah maybe stop watch the movie <laughs> yeah. give it a chance and then come yeah. back to us but but uh, it's the, the the aliens are after a different kid the, the like it's mm -hmm. <laughs> the older brother is the target and I don't know if that's enough of a, quote, twist to anchor the movie on. Like, it doesn't really change significantly the the lead into it. Like, it's just a little, oh, it was... It seems like a half M. Night Shyamalan type of uh, idea, but it... The aliens showing up and just taking that kid wouldn't be enough. No. But the switcheroo maybe wasn't mm -hmm. either. We always need to have a gotcha in, in horror movies... Still, really, I mean, but... But if I look at it by its component parts, like, were there suspenseful scenes of people walking through their house? Were there scenes where they were convincingly affecting paranoia? Like, uh, we knew it was going to be aliens, but if you started this movie not knowing it was going to be aliens, would you be more involved in the solving of this mystery? 
I have to say, like, again, it's not a 10-star movie by any measure, but it did not deserve to be dismissed. And it was dismissed. And, the, like, this is what I love to do on Rank and Review, is find movies that have been forgotten or dismissed and say, give this one another day in court. And I am saying give Dark Skies another yeah. day in court. It is another alien abduction movie. It's not... It doesn't necessarily distinguish itself that highly even on this list, but it does not suck, and that does seem to be its reputation, and I disagree. I think it's pretty decent. <laughs> yeah, it, it's funny how this is my first time seeing it, but it was one of the things that attracted me to this list. Oh, really? <laughs> um, because I remember seeing the coming attraction. Yeah, the, I saw the coming attraction. I don't know what movie I went to. And it like it looked scary. It looked freaky. And there was the, um, the scene I remember is the business where where Carrie Russell has that moment where she's in the middle of trying to sell this house, and she's making progress at long last trying to sell this this house, which has been on the market forever. And then she tunes out, and then she goes to that window and she's banging her face her against face the against the window and then it was just like that is and she's such a good actor i mean i i just she she's having a really creative time of it right now like antlers was terrific but she she anchors cocaine bear <laughs> which to this point of the, the we're recording is my favorite movie of the year oh, wow. um and and i was just like uh, this is like felicity i think some people labeled her as just all serious or whatever, but she she's a very good actor and a very versatile actor. Um, and I'm learning that more and more. And, uh, and this was kind of before the Americans and, and she kind of, people started to pay attention to her again. I was like, oh, I want to see that because she's in it too. Um, it certainly didn't live up to what I thought it would be, but it's a good movie. I agree with you. And I, I, I don't understand it being a, a bad movie. Um, I think they they really nail the suburbs. Yeah. Because that's exactly it. And you have these behind closed doors, these people who cannot afford to live in the houses that they're in and are going like paycheck to paycheck or or less. And they're but they're trying to keep up with the Joneses because on the outside everybody's having this perfect and it's summertime and they're having the barbecues and all that stuff. But Lacey um, really needs to sell that house and Daniel yeah. really needs, he needs to, to get, to get a job. And, yeah. and early on he lies to his wife about How well a job works. interview that no. goes bad. Like we, we've seen, there were a lot of things that were very familiar. I don't think there was anything that was that original. Even the JK Simmons character, they just happened to get a great actor in that role. I think in somebody else's hands, it would be a little bit too, that kind of exposition is tough to sell. Like he, That's why, like, for a movie like Sinister, they get Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah. Right? Like, you need someone who can sell exposition, yeah. like, cleanly. Yeah. And J.K. Simmons, he, you just he believe did. him. And he's got these eccentricities and sure. his costume. And what, what was the thing with the animals there? He has cats or something. Or, yeah, he uh, says they don't like cats or something. Yeah, I don't like, you know. Um, but, yeah, I... Yeah, I, I think, you know, this is just like all the ones I had. I have bits that I really liked, and then I have bits that I uh, wasn't crazy about. In that the youngest kid, I feel like I'm being so mean to child actors. 
Oh, uh, the bar was set pretty low from communion, so I was willing to give him a bit more of a pass. Than... I think they were kind of equal, actually. <laughs> and I don't know. I don't remember being quite as. I, I think they were both not great, and that's what that's where the child actor in Close Encounters, which was the last one I saw pre- prepare for this, was a breath of fresh air. Right. Because and again, in in I, I can't get over. He's younger than these other actors, but. I think it's a difference between finessing a performance and actually getting a kid to read lines or parrot lines. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, like, just off camera, the parents will say the line and the kid just repeats it, right? Yeah. Uh, whereas Spielberg would be like, I don't know, doing some version of shaking the keys for the kid. Yes. So the kid looks up and Maybe sees something that makes him smile, but in the context mm-hmm. of the shot, it's really yeah. eerie that the well, kid Well, Hitchcock used to do that, too. He used to... I mean, wasn't very nice. He used to like threaten kids' lives if they didn't, and that's where they got those great horror. I need books real that... tears, or I'll make them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's what the greats do. Um, but the older brother was good. You know, I, I think he 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 did a good job, and you know, it's not like in my Shyamalan where I'm like, oh my god, and there's a real he, his career's come back big time. I haven't watched the the newest movie yet, but I. But some of his movies in between, I was like, oh, no, no. Like, it, they don't all have to have a twist. And these are, the, the, some of these are just, just bad. This isn't one where I was like, of course it has to have a twist just because it's that type of a movie. It's a but, I, but I can sort of understand it because they were playing around with that idea when, because they spent a lot of time with that, that older boy. And there's a scene um, where he's riding home. And uh, the streetlights are blinking out behind yes. him, and they're you're like, "What's yeah, going Yeah, yeah. And th- those are kind of the suspenseful, freaky things from the, you know, from the coming attraction that really got me excited about this movie before it disappeared and people didn't talk about it for years. I, I would say like, again, being, being pretty uh, picky. Like, there's that uh, that really annoying friend he has across the street. And I was I was so so excited um, when his dad went and started beating him up. And I, I was hoping that kid wouldn't survive till the end of the film, which is a cruel thing to say. But when when they go sneak into the house that mo- the mom's trying to sell, um, and everything that comes out of that kid's mouth is just awful. Oh, it's awful. But but then the moment where the, I'm supposed to like the older boy, but essentially he he sexually harasses the girl he likes. And then he gets his first kiss as a reward after that. I mean... Well, here's the thing. I, I found that an uncomfortable scene, too. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't exactly hate the kid. I don't, I'm don't. i not proud of his behavior. He's awkward. He doesn't know what to do because they've just watched porno movies and that's their idea. So that's the excuse, I guess. But it's just still... Why but does she respond the, to that? Did you ever do something really cringy and embarrassing and uncomfortable when you were young? Yes. Because I think everyone does. Yes. And I think the movie does a good job of showing him doing bad things, but letting us sort of let him off the mm-hmm. hook because he's a dumb kid, right? <laughs> Whereas the kid across the street is just a little he's bit too idiot. far. Yeah. This guy's just trying to figure shit mm-hmm. out. That scene might have taken it a little, a little boob grab might have taken things pretty far, but... That is the kind of shit that happens. It's also kind of honest, right? But but I guess my my issue in the, the writing of it or whatever, the girl responds to it. Yeah. And I think that's the problem there. Not yeah. that he 
did something inappropriate. To be fair, the movie's not about that. Scene no, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm just getting. No, no, no. It, I'm going down a rabbit hole with that one. That, that's true. That took but, me out of the movie for a minute, I guess. But and in, and and in retrospect, it makes more sense because at the time you could be asking yourself, especially the first time, why are we spending so much time with mm-hmm. the older but kid? It makes sense. It makes when sense. We get the plot twist, you yeah. know. And I think on a, a rewatch, a fairly recent rewatch of it, I, I may be seeing more and more that I like about this. It right. might be less of a three star. It might be might be up a little bit more from where I am. But well, again, I was rec- I was I was complimentary, but I'm not foaming at the mouth. No, but I do want to. I just. I feel bad for movies that get yes, like no, just discarded. Like well, Fire in the Sky is like that too. Yeah. I mean, it's just a couple decades later. It's Lee and I talked about that movie, The Ruins, for the two the, oh, yeah. the Naughties episode. Again, it's just like, why does nobody talk about that movie? That's, That's a good a movie, completely decent. But it was all movie. the like, um, there were all these the cave, yeah, the descent, the ruins, and yeah. they all look the same, very similar. Like the covers look the same in the marketing departments. I, I, I think that's why some of these movies get forgotten about. But I, mean, I just we, want we to two, measure my yeah, enthusiasm. We just have a bunch of movies with <laughs> that we're talking about that have skies in it. Yeah, that's <laughs> even right. like I can see dark skies and night skies getting mixed up for people listening to this. So you know, um, yeah. Uh, so it's neither as great as I was selling it, but nor is it as bad as its reputation. And that's basically my bullet point for the review. Yeah. Like. Uh, it does the job. There's some really great suspenseful sequences. Uh, we get to see the psychological de- deterioration of the family. Mm-hmm. It's not exactly a happy ending, but the family, what's left of it, is still together. I, and uh, big that, points for that because it wasn't a it wasn't a Spielbergian happy ending, and it looked like it was going in that direction. Yeah, like that was you know it has the twist, but then it has. I'm thinking, yeah, th- this and is they not... They might have been thinking with franchise eyes uh, at the time. Because Maybe. Bloomhouse had just been releasing hit after hit. Insidious yeah. became a franchise. Sinister almost became a franchise. But, like, they were... Mm-hmm. It was in that era of yeah. Bloomhouse being the... Now it's A24 everyone gets excited about, yeah. I guess. But uh, at the time, it, like they, it seemed like they could do no wrong. There was this one, and then there was that Stephen King adaptation with Mercy, I think it was. And that one was deservedly forgotten. <laughs> I think this one is worth a watch, but, you know, don't overpay for it. It's it, it's it's solid. Yeah. It's not an easy movie to find, I don't think. No? Okay. Um, but, yeah, I managed to find all of these. I wasn't sure I could... Initially, when I tried, I couldn't find... Nice except guys. for... I couldn't find any of them, including, (laughs) except for uh, Close Encounters. That was the only one I could get my hands on when I first looked at the show, but then... Because the government doesn't want you to know about the aliens. Yeah, well, I guess they they took a break. They're busy with other things (laughs) in the last two weeks, so... Uh, Yeah, are we good on... Yeah, yeah, I I think it's two thumbs up. Not enthusiastic, but two thumbs up. For sure.
All right, that was six alien abduction movies reviewed. Thank you very much. I I, I think we I think we covered the covered the waterfront pretty well there. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was your least favorite of these six features and why? Mr. Yeah, I'm gonna break uh, Larry nine year old Larry's heart or whatever age you were, but <laughs> yeah, communion. I just couldn't get into it. I couldn't get behind it. I I I, I was so excited for this one, and maybe it's just. Some of these I had low expectations, and some I had high expectations. And I just the cover I would see it in video stores for years. And I was like, that looks like a scary movie. And Christopher Walken looks freaky, and it was just not scary at all to me. It was just vexing. Yes, it, it looked like they were rehearsing um, and figuring out what they were going to shoot, but we didn't actually get the A take. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah. So. Number number five, um, and it, I was honest with you. I from our conversation, I this is the. It's dropped a level. Yeah, I it's changed. Fifth, I'm actually going the the fourth kind. I think, you know, sometimes the first time you see a movie, could be deceptive in the sense that you're wowed by something and it's not really that great. Sometimes, when the first time I see a movie, I judge it too much and then I. I pick up on it later and it's like, oh, this is way better than I thought. This one's diminishing returns, and I I agree. There there are there are a lot of problems. I still I'm not completely comfortable putting my thumb down on this one, but I'm not excited to revisit it. I guess because yeah, I'm seeing. Um, I think I I I drank the Kool Aid the first time. And, okay. <laughs> yeah, I got the Kool Aid out of my system now. So. Um, all right, so then uh, number four is, uh, is actually going to be uh, Dark Skies. Okay. I I like it. I don't love it, but I, I think it's a movie that people should check out. So um, yeah, what I'm saying is I my thumb is up to every movie except for one right. on this list here. So, um, But yeah, I think there are better films, and I'm... Really, really surprised that it went way up to number three, but maybe it's because, again, it was the opposite of Communion, where the first section of the movie was so bad, I thought it was beyond help, and it was going to be number six for sure, and then it redeemed itself in the last two-thirds there, but uh, Night Skies is all the way up in number three. Nice. As micro-budget and as as bad as, like, it. As, as some things are, and, and a we character that... It, it's rough around the edges. Rough around the edges, and there's a character that I could have done completely without in right. the film, and, but fortunately he dies. Um, <laughs> I In the end, I think, based on what they had to work with, and what the other five films had to work with, I, I, I'm going to reward this one. Right. I haven't always done that as a guest on your show, but this time <laughs> I am, so... Um, this, is, I, this is way closer than I think it should have been. I don't know. One's an established classic. The other one is... More of a cult thing, yeah. Yeah. Okay, people are going to throw things at me, but mm-hmm. I, 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 this is where I've, I've really changed my mind here. I have to go with this experience preparing for this show in this time. It might be different in 10 years, might be different in 20 years, but second is Close Encounters of the Third Kind. <laughs> I have to go with my heart, not my head, in this one. Okay. Because, and it's a better directed movie, better made movie, 
but I really enjoyed Fire in the Sky. So it's all the way up to number one. And nice. I I don't know, I thought it was inevitable that Close Encounters was was gonna be number one. Right. And I, I almost feel like it should be number one, but there's something about championing a movie that's been forgotten about. Close Encounters is going to be fine. Right. Its legacy is there, but more people need to check out Fire in the Sky. It's a fantastic film. So that's that's where I am. I am surprised by the, 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 the switch at the top of the list. Yeah. But it's good because we just went zero for six as a result. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we'd be... Three of six, maybe. Can we call Don Soldiers of the People versus Larry Flint your prize? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. Those are pretty good prizes <laughs> compared to whatever the, la- the last time this happened. We, um, what did you, you gave me a VHS of a... Chairman of the Board. Chairman of the Board, a Carrot Top movie, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Screener copy. He can't yes, even yes, sell it. Yes, yeah. Um, well, look, I, I'm not going to fight with you. I think, like, we're closer than... For me... Almost before I sat down to rewatch the movies, and maybe that's not fair, the top and the bottom were harshly anchored for me. The thing is, is that I got mad at at the fourth kind. And once you lose your temper with a movie, it's really hard to get back. Mm -hmm. And I gave it a lot of time. I gave it years. (laughs) And I came back to it. uh, And no, I still think it's a movie that just fundamentally gets in its own way. And that's mm-hmm. unfortunate. Yeah. Um, so I, I I know I'm not I'm a minority opinion. There's yep. a lot of people that really like that. Movie. There could be a remake of this, which is a little bit more under control by a better writer director that could tell an interesting story. Yeah. I love the setting and some of the photography in there. There's a it for could, sure. It, you know, that's part of the frustration. Yeah. Like there's so much to mine in this, but mm-hmm. I feel I feel like it it shook me off yeah. early. It seems unkind to put Night Skies in fifth place, but I'm putting Night Skies in mm-hmm. fifth place because I do think for a lot of casual viewers, the slow start, the rough special effects, and the wonky acting are going to buck you off before you get to the good parts of the movie. But there are good parts to mm-hmm. the movie if you're a patient viewer and if you're super into the alien abduction. I feel like you're right. They put all of their budget into the last 10 minutes yeah. of the movie. But I gotta judge the movie on it front to back, not the last little mm-hmm. ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not happy about it. Like I said in the review, there's this part of me that's totally cheering for the movie, but it's how I feel. Yeah. <laughs> um, right behind that, I'm gonna give it to Dark Skies, and this seems about right. It seems middle of the pack material for me. Like, it's not amazing, but it definitely gets the job done. Right. Um, and yeah, don't, don't believe the negative hype on dark skies, <laughs> but all the way in third position, I have communion. But what I said in the review, I'm going to stand by here. There is something about a movie that traumatizes you when you're a kid that, that just locks itself in your brain that you'll, you'll, you'll make excuses for, you'll be forgiving of, you'll have affection for maybe whether or not it's deserved. I will say, if you're a fan of Christopher Walken, the movie is worth watching just for Christopher Walken mm-hmm. being Christopher Walken. Yeah. Like, yeah. that. And, uh, you know, the Whitley Stryber communion thing, this is kind of Cole's notes of the first book, if you're curious about it. But you gotta sift through a lot of 80s cheese and a lot of cringiness. And I concede it's in the movie, but uh, 
You said you had to go with your heart. I have to go with my heart. Yeah, yeah. Second place is Fire in the Sky. But, man, is it ever a solid recommendation. <laughs> like, I think that the top two are in a different level yes, than the rest are. of the mm-hmm. list. Uh, and don't be intimidated by the fact that it's mainly a drama for the first two-thirds of the movie. Because it delivers such an epic payoff. And that payoff wouldn't be there. If not for the strength of the first two thirds. I think there's some exciting things that happen in the first two thirds as well. It's true, but that's the reputation of the But yeah, if you're looking for aliens in the first two scenes, you're not going to get them, so... Is it a cop-out to just default Close Encounters to number one? Like I said, like when I started listing, this was a pretty safe one. Um, For as much as... And I do this a lot when it's a director I love. I just focus on the things that seemed off and weird to me. Mm Mm-hmm. But the thing is, despite everything I said, it kind of does work wall for wall for me. Even him shoveling dirt into the living room. I know what the movie's doing. I get what they're going for. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it may be not the most credible scene in the movie, but I mean, this is a scene where we see all these planes show up, <laughs> landing after gone missing in World War Two. <laughs> like, yeah. we accept a lot of crazy shit at mm-hmm. face value in the movie. But I go back to Spielberg's awe. I remember... Cisco and Ebert were reviewing the sequel to Jurassic Park, the the Lost, the Lost World. World, and his big bitch Ebert was like, "Where's the awe? Why are why aren't the characters at least impressed by these dinosaurs?" Mm-hmm. And it, maybe or not, he forgot it in, in the Lost World, but he didn't forget that here. From the very beginning of the movie, where crowds of people pointing their fingers to the sky, from like the crowds of people uh, converging to worship, and the sort of worldscape. Like, until maybe Contact, we didn't have a movie mm-hmm. that seriously <clears throat> tackled what the how the world might react to First Contact. And yeah. it just ignited my imagination. I saw it at a very young age. I've seen it quite a few times. I don't know exactly how many, but I feel like I get a little something different out of it each time. And even if it's a little bit negative, even as an adult, I, I can't... I agree with Spielberg. I don't... I don't appreciate him abandoning his family, or at least not without mm-hmm. something on his face that says, like, I can't believe I'm doing this. You know, yeah. it seems like he doesn't question it at all. But what I don't question at all is that this is a highly influential science fiction movie yeah. that people are going to be talking about way longer than we're alive. So Yeah, uh, that, that's true. <laughs> and I mean, I, I feel like I know there's a, a guest you once had, I forget the name, that put The Exorcist as number two. Right. And and I feel like I'm doing that with Close Encounters <laughs> here in some ways. It's supposed I, to be number one. You're allowed to make your own list. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I just, on this day, like it was right up until just before it came out of my mouth. Right. So I'm, I'm probably going to be conflicted with this for, because it's <laughs> recorded forever now. But I, a um, couple things. One thing I, not to review it again, but. Why does Richard Dreyfus need to kiss Melinda Dillon on the the mountain there towards the end? Like there I didn't no, feel like it was. There's ro- no romantic connection between them. I don't them. feel it's romantic. I feel like they were just on this adventure together, and they understood what was happening. They knew that it was real, and that they weren't crazy, and that nobody around them. The deeper into the movie, once they you know find the installation and the military basically invite them to join. Them, then it's all off the board. But they were kind of alone until then. They mm-hmm. only had each other. And seeing the confirmation, they're not crazy. She's going to get her... Well, I guess she doesn't know if she's going to get her kid back. Or, 
I'm trying to remember the order of it now. Anyway, I, I saw it as like a celebratory thing. Like, like he, he would grab someone by their cheeks and okay. kiss them on the face. But this like, was full on the lips. I mean, I, yeah. I, I don't... Anyway. But that's how I interpreted yeah. it. Like, yeah, I didn't enough. see it uh, like... It didn't feel like a romantic thing, even though it was a kind of passionate kiss. I don't know. <laughs> also, just unless, unless I'm mistaken, was your number four... Your number four was Dark Skies? One, two, Dark Skies. Yeah, so we didn't go zero for six? I think we went one for six. All right, take the movies back. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, I did it again. I thought we went zero for six there. Oh, well. Yeah, I was just... Because I, I because I switched mine a lot, I'm just making sure that I'm right about that. But for All the right. sake of honesty, I don't want somebody <laughs> okay. who's listening to this shouting... <laughs> For the record, Lies. we did not completely disagree. <laughs> we were actually in sync with our... We, nobody was raising their voices for this one, but anyway. No fighting, no yeah. fighting, you son of a bitch. Uh, everybody who is listening to Rankin Review right now, please offer your ears unto the shelf-shedding movie show hosted by Mr. Jason Debray. And I'm sure we'll be hearing from him again. Yeah, Real no, hopefully we'll get you back on there uh, sometime wait. soon. Can't Thanks wait. so much. Ooh. And so it was. We got to the end of this alien abduction edition of Rankin Review. 226 is in the rear view mirror. What did you think? Did we rank them reasonably? Who do you agree with more? Myself, Jason? Send your feedback to review at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. Check out my website at rankinreview.ca because I'm up here in Canada. And uh, do support Jason Dubray's podcast, The Shelf Shedding Movie Show, because it's good and it's worthy of your ears. So, treat them. Rankin Review will be dropping every other Wednesday. This is the first season, uh, first episode of the 10th season. So, um, I try to do 25 of these per season. One down, 24 to go. Thank you so much for your ears. This is your host and random Canadian Larry Parsons saying, I appreciate you.